Hey, this is Glover Teixeira, UFC Light Heavyweight Champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Thiago Alves, the Pitbull. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Munoz. Mike Brown. Hey, I'm Alexei Alenik. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is Yvonne Juan Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi, everybody from America. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. Jacob and I are going to break down the entire UFC 271 fight card. We're going to give you our picks, we're going to give you our bets, and we are going to give you our fantasy plays. Make sure you go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five online betting partners. Make a deposit, let me know after you do, and I will send you 50 bucks. Literally that simple. I will send you $50 as a thank you for signing up and making a deposit at wewantpicks.com slash bets. And this breakdown is brought to you by Bet You Play to Earn. It is the world's first play to earn sports and esports betting game. Check it out at betyouearn.com. That's bet the letter U earn.com. Let's jump right in. We have a good fight card, Jacob. This whole thing is pretty rock solid. Really, really good matchups. I'm excited. I'm ready for the fans, full crowd. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's uh, This is way more exciting than UFC 270 was, even after a very long break. So right. let's jump in. First up, at UFC 271, we have Jeremiah Wells fighting Mike Mathetha. You'll see him listed everywhere as Blood Diamond, which is kind of crazy. Jeremiah is terrifying. Wells is not- it's terrifying. It's it it took me a little while to, to get comfortable with that. Jeremiah Wells is nine and two overall. He's four and one in his last five. He's coming off three stoppages in a row. Mike Mathetha, I do not have a list, but Mike Mathetha is three and zero. Oh. His whole career, three and zero oh as a professional mixed martial artist, and we'll get to why he only has three fights in a second. Jeremiah Wells came back after a two year layoff, and he knocked out Warley Alves. In his UFC debut, he's a big, powerful striker with explosive hands. But what everybody forgets is he is a BJJ black belt, and he's a pretty accomplished one at that. He throws wild, and he throws with intent, but it really is just there to set up his BJJ, set up his takedowns, and get it to the ground. His takedowns are pretty good, but what he does really well is transition from one to another. It's not full-blown chain wrestling, but he does a good job of once he's down there, once he's working a leg... He'll move from a single to a double, back to a single, and try to really get that going. Mike Mathetha, we mentioned his name is Blood Diamond, and that's literally how he's listed on the UFC website and a whole bunch of other websites. You'll just see Diamond or B Diamond or just straight up Blood Diamond as his name. He's a very experienced striker, so he only has three professional mixed martial arts fights, but he has 100 fights before he transitioned to MMA, more than 100 uh, he's coming out of city kickboxing with Izzy, Dan Hooker, and there's like seven other people on Uber. this fight card. Seven other people on this fight card coming out of that gym. So you know he's getting proper MMA training, even though it's predominantly they're known for their striking over there. The problem is we have not seen too much, by the way, of takedown defense from him. So there's so many questions. We know he's an accomplished kickboxer. We don't know what his full MMA game looks like. If you check out his record, you'll see that Blood Diamond has a submission win. 
He has a decision win and he has a knockout win. But if you look at the submission win, don't immediately jump to conclusions and say, wow, Blood Diamond can, can he grapple? He was shoulder thrown. He was had somebody against the cage. They shoulder threw him. And when they landed on the ground, they were basically in spoon position and he just snatched up the neck. So good for him. He got the win. He got the submission. But I would not just look at topology and draw conclusions on his jujitsu game from there. Listen, you know, I have to go with Jeremiah here because he's not going to be anywhere near the technical striker or the striker that Blood Diamond is. He's still dangerous on his feet because he does have power. He swings wild. Uh, he has solid takedowns. He has very good jujitsu. I like Jeremiah to come in, throw in wild, close the distance, drop down for a takedown, and work his jujitsu. The problem with these kickboxers, you just don't know. We just don't know how good the takedown defense is. We don't know enough. He could come out looking like Ulberg did in his UFC debut where he looked pretty good and then was put out. Or he could come out looking like uh, Pajeda did. Just took that dude, defended a couple of takedowns, took that dude's head off. You just don't know what you're going to get. Jakey boy, do you agree? Yeah, I think Jeremiah Wells is definitely the play in this fight. But if there was a fight that I could place a under like 30 second bet on, I'm sure on one of our betting sites, there's got to be something like that. I'm going to look to place a bet because I think these guys just clash heads, middle of the octagon. They both throw wild. They both want to knock each other out. Uh, Mike Matheta, Blood, Blood Diamond, he... You know, he is a kickboxer, but even in his kickbox, he doesn't look real great. He's kind of got like an awkward stance, and some of his knockouts are kind of weird. He gets hit a lot. Um, he's not as clean as you would expect like, kind of a kickboxer to be, but I think that these guys come forward. I think they both throw bombs, and I think this is like an under 30 seconds way to start the card, UFC 171. Obviously, if it doesn't happen, Jeremiah can use his grappling. He can get this fight to the ground. He can dominate on the ground. Uh, you're 100% correct on all that, but I think they go, they throw bombs at the beginning. Jeremiah has shown in the past that he will just run across and just start throwing bombs, and it's kind of funny. Paul Felder uh, was commentating one of his, his fights, and Jeremiah Wells and him used to like train and spar together. He's like, this is what I had to go through, guys. Every day I had to fight this dude. He just balls to the wall, does not stop. Stop. So I think Jeremiah Wells is the play in this. Uh, Blood Diamond, you mentioned he is a city kickboxing guy, so he's probably going to be prepared. But I'll go with the experience here and the overall uh, better fire in Jeremiah Wells for sure. I, I like him in this matchup. Yeah, you, you kind of have to. I mean, this is MMA. I, my advice, don't don't bet on this fight. There's no reason to place a bet on this fight. Maybe what's the round line? Maybe the under on rounds or the fight does not go to a decision because – I could see Matheta getting submitted or one of them getting knocked out. So that's probably the only bet that would make any sense because there's just too many questions. There's too many unknowns. And I'm not going to lay out my actual money that I earn on, you know, there's yeah. 15 fights on this card. So here you go. Under one and a half rounds is minus 165. So they expect a, a quick And quick it's finish. a one, it's a one and a half round and it's still that low. That's crazy. Right. I mean, right. I get it though. I get it because... Jeremiah Wells can get him to the ground in the first minute. He's got four minutes to work for a submission in that round. So, very interesting. Um, and let's take a look. Listen, DraftKings, here's the problem with DraftKings. I, either one of these guys could be the best DraftKings play of all time. Jeremiah Wells could take him down, submit him in 30 seconds. He could even knock him out. Matheta could knock out Jeremiah Wells as he comes in for a lazy takedown. Anything could happen here. Do you like either one enough to throw him in your DraftKings? Uh, I think that Mike is just weird enough that he can get a flash KO in this matchup. And, 
you know, if that happens, then you're, you're really shit, uh, out of luck with that $9,100 price tag. So Mike is just good enough and just wild enough for me to want to stay away from Jeremiah. But if somebody plays Jeremiah, I can definitely see why. Yeah. And the monkey knife fight strines, uh, strike lines, another interesting one. So monkey knife fight, daily fantasy prop game. You basically do more or less on the line here. So this is saying 36 strikes for Jeremiah Wells, 18 strikes for Mike Matheta, more or less on each side. And if you hit it, you can triple your money, string a bunch together. You can 25 times your money. But Monkey Knife Fight also has KO Kings, where you get to pick any three fighters. And if one of them wins by knockout, you get paid. Would you throw either one of the, I mean, either one of these guys in KO Kings, you get to pick any three fighters and you only need one stoppage. I would do Mike Matheta. Well, I don't know if I'd do Mike Matheta because he really only has like one chance to land one shot where some other people have an entire fight to kind of get a knockout. Um, Cause if he misses that one shot, I mean, Jeremiah's going to be there and either body lock him to the, to the ground. So if it's a more or less, I'll take the less, less. Cause I think it is quick, but I wouldn't play either. It's tough to play either one of these in a knockout Kings. Sure. Well, check out monkey knife. Sure. We won't pick. <laughs> Cause you're not wrong. Sure. And honestly, sure. I'm, moving I'm on. Not- my knockout kings i'm just gonna double up the co-main event done i went three and for I, three last week and not in knockout kings i only got one but i only need one so anyway check out uh monkey knife fight at we want slash mkf sign up make a deposit they will instantly match your deposit up to 100 bucks use the free money throw it at this see what happens and if you want 50 free dollars go to we want slash bets sign up make a deposit let me know i'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you Next up, at UFC 271, we have Douglas Silva de Andrade versus Sergey Morozov. And Douglas Silva de Andrade is a nightmare to put on these graphics because that name is long as hell. Name. He's 27-4 and four overall. He is 3-2 and two in his last five, alternating wins and losses. And he's coming off the, the, uh, the win over Gaetano Perello. Sergey Morozov is 17 and 4 overall. He's 4 and 1 in his last 5 and that lone loss is to Umar Nurmagomedov. And Douglas Silva de Andrade is an interesting guy. He's been around forever. He's got a ton of fights. He's fought the best of the best. This is his second fight back down at 135. He had a short stint at 145. And like I said, if you look at his record, you'll see that he fought a who's who of current and former world champions in multiple weight classes. He's a compact guy. He's got solid boxing with lots of power. He's got solid BJJ in the ground, but it's mostly there as a backup plan because he really wants to stay in his feet, slug it out, get into a dirty fight. Uh, his ideal fight is literally just dirty boxing inside the pocket, swinging away. Sergey Morozov, he's a busy striker. He also averages almost four takedowns per fight. He's a good counterpuncher with solid power. And his counter striking works really well for him because he baits you into a striking match. He does a really good job of getting you to come into a striking match. He'll avoid, he'll light you up with the counter, and then he will just drop and take shots and work from there. And he's pretty good on his back as well. Even in fights where he's taken down, like when Umar Nurmagomedov took him down, he never stops moving. He never settles in. And yes, he lost that fight. He was submitted, but... He doesn't just accept, oh, I was taken down. Let me work from my guard. He's always looking to move and looking to get up. Honestly, this is a tough pick for me. This is a tough pick because I, I do like Morozov to win this fight. I like him to win because of the wrestling. But Silva de Andrade, look at his experience. If you dig into his record, he has fought some of the best people on the planet, and he has hung pretty well in those fights. 
And, you know, he was taken down in every single one of those losses, Andrade. And that's why I have to go with Morozov. I think it's a clear path. Take him down. Don't dirty box with him. Take him down. And then you can work from there. And Morozov's not exactly, you know, a, a jiu-jitsu world champion or anything. But I think he can get the takedowns, hang out on top, and get the control. I think he can hang with the power in his feet. He sets a really hard pace. And mixing in the takedowns should work well. Andrade, definitely the better BJJ guy. I don't necessarily think it matters, though, because on the ground, I think Morozov's top pressure will be too good. What do you think, Jakey? Uh, I 100% agree. And you know what I noticed uh, in Sergey when I was watching that Umar fight was, you know, just great hips. I, I, I couldn't believe when I'm watching film, I, I watch wrestlers all the time. One of the most important things in wrestling, everyone knows, Angelo, I don't know if you know, it, is your hips. And you can tell when someone has good hips, when they have bad hips. When I was watching that, Mar- that, that Sergey fight versus Umar, uh, I saw great hips. You know, eventually he got taken down because it is Umar and he was submitted. But in those scrambles, he was winning some scrambles. He was defending takedowns. And he, Umar was a minus 500 favorite in that fight and he went toe-to-toe with Umar in the striking was defending takedowns and he did not look like a big underdog so he went from a a, 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 Umar was a minus 500 versus him to now he's like a two-to-one favorite uh even after even after he lost that fight so um and if you dig into his record too his his only two losses in the last five years are are to Umar Nurmagomedov and Mazvar Evelov who you know is also kind of tearing up the division as well so this guy's also fought some good competition. I agree. I think the wrestling is where he needs to go to. Uh, Andrade does have heavy, heavy hands. If he hits you, it's going to hurt. He throws a lot of kicks too, which I think uh, Sergey can take advantage of. Maybe grab one of those. But don't get too aggressive grabbing kicks because, you know, people go low and then they go high and then you're you're on the canvas. So I agree that wrestling is a path for him, but I think he gets it done. Um, and I think he gets it done fairly convincingly. So I, I'm uh, Sergey all the way in this matchup. Bud Becker in the live chat has the best comment I've seen. He said, Andrade looks like the janitor in The Simpsons because he's just so jacked. That's pretty funny. So um, let's take a look at the fantasy here. $9,000 at $7,200. I, listen, Douglas Silva de Andrade is super tough. I don't think um, it's as much of a beating as you say. It potentially could be if uh, Sergey just sticks to the wrestling and if he sticks to the wrestling, he'll be worth every penny of $9,000 because of all those takedowns and the control. I don't think he's going to get Douglas out of there, though. And if I'm spending 9000 I'm probably need a stoppage. What do you think? Yeah, 9000 is a little much because I don't know if he's going to use his wrestling. I think that's definitely the path to victory in this fight. But I think he's comfortable in the stand-up as well. And uh, if he does go to stand-up, I think he can probably win that, although it's kind of a little bit uh, tougher. So I'm not convinced he's going to actually use his wrestling. So I'm going to stay away from him for the 9000 yeah, and monkey might knife fight is an interesting line here as well. I honestly, it's probably more and more in my opinion. I, I do think this is back and forth, and I think uh, you know Morozov will get some takedowns, so he'll get some extra strikes on top. And I think Douglas Silva swings and has solid volume, so I, I think it's a more and more because I think it's a decision. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, more and more because, uh, like I said, I think Sergey strikes with them, and they're both tough. Yeah. Yeah, so Sergey Morozov is the pick. Monkey Knife Fight, more and more. Check that out at wewantpicks.com slash MKF. DraftKings, I'm not spending the money um, on Morozov. He is the pick, but that's a lot of money. And we have a lot of people. I think there's six people over $9,000 that there's some solid uh, solid plays on. And if you want 50 free dollars, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and I'll send you 50 bucks. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo. It is literally that simple.
Next up, at UFC 271, we have AJ Dobson versus Jacob Malkoon. AJ Dobson, 6-0 and in his career. He's 4-1. Sorry, 5-0 and in his last five. Coming off a solid win on the Contender Series. Jacob Malkoon is 5-1 and in his career. He's 4-1 and in his last five. And the one loss was a KO to Phil Hawes more than a year ago. And this line has been moving quite a bit. Uh, just two days ago, AJ was a minus 150 favorite. And now on some books, they're dead even. So a good amount of money has come in on Jacob Malkoon here. So, you know, the, the market seems to think that Jacob uh, is the pick and it's moving the line. So Jacob Malkoon, he's a solid grappler, but he prefers to strike. He's heavy handed. He likes to plot forward and he throws everything with big power and loops. You've heard me break down looping punches before, and I'm going to do it again. Even his jab isn't straight. His jab is like a half a hook. And the problem is that extra half a second matters quite a bit when you're fighting people with the speed and power of A.J. Dobson. All of his strikes have a little bit of that looping action, but he does send it with a lot of power, and he literally physically steps into every strike. He steps into his jabs. He steps into his overhands. He steps into his straights. That does leave him open for takedowns. It adds quite a bit of sting on the end, but it does leave him open for takedowns. He's a capable wrestler. He does lower his level. He times his shots really well. Most of his shots are clean or right smack in the middle of the cage, which is really good for him, and that's Jacob Malkoon. AJ Dobson has incredibly fast hands, fast knees, fast kicks. He's not gun shy at all, and he will throw in combinations while moving forward. He will just march forward Terminator style and string together a whole bunch of punches. He's got a ton of power to mix in with that speed. He does have some wrestling as well, but his takedowns really rely more on power than technique. He'll grab an underhook and just start trying to run through it and force something there. Um, you know, once he does get you to the ground, he has solid fundamentals. So he's got good top control. He's a pretty well-rounded guy, but he's definitely a striker. And for some reason, I did this rant in my quick picks video. I'll, I'll do a watered down version. For some pe reason, people love saying fade the contender series guy. And, and all that means is somebody just got a win on the contender series. Now there's their official UFC debut, not on the contender series. So you're just not going to pick them. You're not going to bet them literally because of that. And that is such a ridiculous, absurd. I, I don't understand that approach. It's just so weird to me to bucket fighters into groups like that. I would prefer if you're like fade the guy from this gym because this gym is not prepared. But to say anybody coming off of an actual fight in the UFC cage in the exact same arena that 90% of these fights take place in, don't pick them because they were they won that thing. They won the contract on the, I don't want to call it a show, but they won that contract. That's just so stupid to me. Last week we saw Jolton Almeida just rip through Danilo Marquez. And I was one of the people, I picked Jolton Almeida to win, but I said Danilo's tough. There were so many people picking Danilo. Oh, I fade contender series. Well, that didn't work for you. And I'm in the same boat here. AJ Dobson, contender series guy. I get it. Jacob Malkoon is tough and the wrestling and grappling is a concern here. But AJ Dobson is an animal on his feet. The fact that he has that speed, that power, and he is not gun shy is what's so impressive. Last week, we saw so many power punchers that are gun shy. They don't let their hands go. We watched Treshawn Gore lose that fight because he was gun shy. That was his fight. He was dominating, but just didn't let his hands go. 
AJ Dobson does not suffer from that. I literally see him landing three strikes for every one of Jacob Malkoon. Because while Jacob's trying to do that little bit of a hook, adding a little extra power when he doesn't need to, AJ Dobson's got twice as much speed. He'll get there first, straight down the middle, get it done. I like AJ Dobson to win this fight. Obviously, Jacob Malkoon's wrestling worries me a bit. I'm sure that's why the line moved. But I think AJ Dobson is something special with the hands. What do you think? Jacob, from one Jacob to another, for the love of God, you got to get this fight to the ground inside of 10 seconds or it's going to be lights the f- out for you because A.J. Dobson is no joke. You mentioned the fast striking. That, that contender series fight was almost like, it felt like a school fight, how wild he got in his striking. The big looping shots, just every single shot trying to knock somebody out. I think that this fight, if Jacob does not get the takedown, and he can because we saw that in the last fight versus Alisson. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 if he does not get that takedown immediately, this is going to be just like that Chitty fight last week where it's just going to be 13 seconds, boom, first shot, Jacob's going to drop and be out because AJ's got that power, and you mentioned he is not gun-shy and he is that wild. Um, so, Jacob, for the love of God, you got to get that takedown for all Jacobs in the world. Get that takedown, get it down quick, copy and paste the same strategy from your last fight. But my God, my pick is going to be AJ Dobson because I think he hits him and I think he just knocks him out quick, fast, and in a hurry. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that extreme, but I, the fact that he's not gun shy is, is what I love about him. Because we see so many fighters with speed and power that just don't let their hands go for some reason. So many. Manel Kopp was one of those guys, too. He's finally starting to get comfortable, finally starting to let his hands go. But, you know, I just love seeing an A.J. Dobson on the regional scene, on the contender series. He lets it go. He puts it out there. There's no hesitation. He's always looking for that finish. And I'll say, too, I'll say too, A.J. Dobson does his, one of his main training partners is Matt Brown. So he's going to be ready for the wrestling. He's going to be, that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why he's so tough. Uh, he's going to be ready. And we got we to gotta mention, too, Jacob is training partners with Robert Whitaker. So he's been in his camp. They've been, I'm sure, wrestling and wrestling and wrestling a ton. That seems like what's been the game plan. So they've probably been both helping each other out. So we'll see what happens. But I, I'm going A.J. in this matchup. Yeah, the, the wrestling of Malkoon could be an issue, but I agree. I, A.J., AJ is definitely the better striker, the more dangerous striker, and there's no surprises that wrestling is coming his way. And he's not an incapable wrestler. He's not He's not like, you know, we just broke down Blood Diamond. We don't know if Blood Diamond can defend a takedown. I've seen AJ Dobson defend takedowns. And Jacob Malkoon isn't exactly a D1 caliber wrestler, right? So anyway, I love AJ Dobson at 8,200 points. I think the stoppage potential is there, or $8,200 in DraftKings. I think the stoppage potential is there, and $8,200, we're talking even money in DraftKings. So pick your side. If you think Jacob is going to get a million takedowns and dominate from there, then yeah, $8,000 is a bargain. I think Dobson's going to get a stoppage, so I like $8,200. What do you think? 100% 100% agree. I think there's a stoppage. I think he's one of those monkey knife fight uh, knockout kings uh, plays in, in this fight. And uh, for the more or less in the monkey knife fight, listen, if he's hitting Jacob 90 times, I mean, there's no way Jacob's going to absorb 90 strikes from this guy. Um, so I, I'm going less, less on this for sure. Yeah, 90. Uh, sorry, Chris, who sets those lines. 91 is absurd high. I, my, that might be a typo because <laughs> that's absurd. That, that's 19. absurd. 19, high. damn it. Yeah. Honestly, maybe it was 19 because that is really, really high. And I do think, um, you know, I do think the fight, I don't think it's a two second knockout. 
Definitely less on A.J. Dobson. I don't think more on Jacob Malkoon. I think it's less, less. Because if Jacob Malkoon gets some early takedowns and stuff like that, I, you know, I don't know how well Dobson's going to fare on the ground. So I think Dobson's probably, you're right, a monkey knife fight play for knockout kings. And I think uh, less, less on the monkey knife fight strike line is the way to go. Check that out at wewantpicks.com slash MKF. It's daily fantasy. It's an app. It's a website. Super fun, super easy, super legal. Wewantpicks.com slash MKF. And if you want 50, five, zero free dollars from me to you, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and I'll send you 50 bucks. So far, we've agreed, Jacob. Last week, somebody criticized in the comments, like, oh, I see what you do. You both just disagree with each other. Oh. Didn't happen this time, buddy. That's, I, that's right, how whatever, that guy Whatever talked. you say in this one, I'll, I'll, I'm going to say different. I don't give I don't that's, care. that's how this guy talked. Next up, at UFC 271, we have Carlos Ulberg versus Fabio Chiron. Carlos Ulberg, another one of those guys from City Kickboxing with Izzy and with everybody else on this card. Is three and one in his full MMA career. And that's because he's a professional kickboxer that transitioned to MMA 10 years ago. He's three and one in his last five, which is his whole career. And he's coming off of that loss to Kennedy and Chuck Wu. Fabio Charant is seven and three overall. He's three and two in his last five, coming off two really tough losses in a row. And Carlos Ulberg is a world-class kickboxer. He transitioned to MMA 10 years ago, even though he only has four MMA fights. His most recent fight was that loss to Kennedy and Chuck Wu. He was doing pretty well. He was dominating that fight. He was winning that fight, and then he got caught. He's listed as having a 100% takedown defense, but he has only defended one single takedown attempt and that was from Kennedy and Chuck Wu. So another guy like Blood Diamond, who we broke down before, nasty kickboxer, still some question marks about the rest of his game, but now we know his chin can get touched because he was put out by Kennedy. Fabio Charant is a deceivingly athletic guy, and he has had a rough road in the UFC. He fought Alonzo Menafield on short notice to make his UFC debut, and then his next fight out was against William Knight. That's a, that's a rough go. Fabio has good power in his left hand. He's athletic. He's got solid submissions as well. But because he has no offensive wrestling, he can't really dictate where the fight goes. And unfortunately, he may need to because Uberg is such a skilled kickboxer that Fabio will likely want to take this to the ground. And it's a weird fight. And it's a complicated fight. Like, it's it's obvious and complicated at the exact same time. Uberg's an obvious pick because he's an incredible kickboxer and Fabio doesn't have the wrestling to get it to the ground. That's pretty logical, right? Pretty straightforward. Makes sense. You got to go with Uberg there. But Fabio is much better than his last two fights. If you have only seen his two UFC fights and none of his LFA fights and none of his other fights, you assume Fabio Schrant is not good. And that's not the case. He is very good. He's very athletic. He's just had a rough go in the UFC. He hasn't gotten any favors. He sets a nice pace. He mixes in kicks really well. His chin is actually pretty solid. Yeah, he was KO'd by William Knight, but okay. Let William Knight hit anybody and see what happens. Uberg does not have the same level of MMA experience, and he does tend to slow down as the fight goes on. He did an interview. I listened to an interview he did after the Kennedy and Chuck Wu fight, and he basically said he was really frustrated at how much he was hitting Kennedy and how it didn't matter. Kennedy didn't care. He was still standing. He was still in front of him, took that beating. And he said it frustrated him and he wished he worked in takedowns and he wished he did more. 
And that just goes to that lack of MMA experience. He literally said he did not have the confidence to take a shot, so he kept it standing, and that's what cost him. He was knocked out. So, you know, ultimately, I am going to pick Ulberg because Fabio doesn't really have the takedowns. But, man, I do not love that pick. I am not confident in that pick. And I think Fabio is one of the more live underdogs on this card. And if you've only watched his two UFC fights, you're typing away in the live chat that I'm crazy and I'm an idiot. But watch a little more than that because he's a pretty experienced guy. He's, he's pretty well-rounded, fights a good game. What do you think, Jacob? Who was your pick? My pick is Ulberg. Okay. But I said Fabio Charant is live because Ulberg, we just watched him get knocked out cold and he's, you know, Still working on MMA. Yeah, he was knocked out cold from from exhaustion. A lot of people, I think, are going to give him crap for that um, because he did blow his load. But if you look at the stats, the guy threw 227 strikes in seven minutes, which is 32 strikes a minute, which is one strike basically every two seconds for seven minutes straight. You're going to get tired when that happens. He just couldn't put the guy away. He was hitting him with everything. Uh, it was one of the crazier fights we've ever seen because it's like, oh, my God. He, it was like almost like a 10-7 round in that first round. He was just beating on him so bad. And then he just like, <gasps> just can't even breathe and gets dropped. But, you know, I agree with you, uh, Fabio, a little bit. I think he's definitely outmatched here. If he can't get the takedowns, if he can't, turn this into a grappling match. He's, I think he's in big, big trouble. Um, but I think he is better than people give him credit for. Because if you watch that William Knight fight, you know, d- no disrespect to William Knight because he got the win. He was much more technical than William Knight. He was he was in and out. He was pushing the pace. And, and in that combo, he was getting ready to, it looked like he was getting ready to knock out William Knight because William Knight was kind of chin back doing his whole thing and just kind of threw that little right hand in there and it, and it caught Fabio. But Fabio, to me, when I was watching that fight, I can't remember if I picked him in that fight, but I was like, oh, man, he looks good. He, I mean, he looks good. He's technical. Um, so I think he is going to surprise people a little bit in those early exchanges. But I think Carlos, with his experience, is going to be able to overwhelm him a little bit once once he gets a little bit warmed up and finds his range. And, and Fabio's in for a, a long, long night. It might um, get put away maybe in the second round-ish um, after if Carlos doesn't get tired again. So I think Carlos is a play all the way. But I agree, Fabio, I think might surprise people a little bit um, in those first couple minutes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Fabio would be my pick if he had a little bit of wrestling. If he had enough wrestling to like, okay, I don't want to be here anymore. Let me take a shot. I'd pick Fabio. I'd take a chance on him, but he doesn't. And that's the issue. And you're just going to hang with this guy and his feet. You know, that could be, that's not going to, that's not going to end well. So I'm going to pick Carlos Uberg there. And uh, DraftKings, he's like right at the line where I don't know if I'll spend that money because I do think he wins. He does have potential to win by stoppage. You know, he's world-class kickboxer, and Fabio we've seen knocked out. He does have potential to win by stoppage, but, you know, I don't know if I'm going to spend the 8900 What do you think? I think I might. I, I, I'll have to look at it and see how it plays out and stuff, but $8,900, I think he's another uh, potential for the Knockout Kings and Monkey Knight fight. Um, I, I think I might end up taking that. And I might look for an inside the distance on, on him in, in this fight too, like a TKO inside the distance. Yeah, and Bonquiqui in the live chat mentioned that Fabio is probably a great live bet after the first round. That's a good point. If Carlos Ulberg comes out, guns blazing, starts to gas, starts to slow down, Fabio seems to be surviving, took some of the shots, he's, he's probably a decent live bet because we've seen Ulberg completely gas and then get put out. What is that face you're making? You're looking at odds. No, I was looking. Crazy? I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm looking at odds. And what do you think the odds are for does not go the distance just for the fight overall? Minus two hundred. 
minus three twenty five. That's yeah, like one that's, of the crazy. That's one of the crazier odds I've ever seen. I think for a price, yeah, U- it's a pretty Uber, aggressive price. Uberg inside the distance is minus one fifty five. So they think Uberg's going to win and, and knock him out. So yeah, I think uh, you know Uberg is the pick, literally because Fabio doesn't have the wrestling to get it to the ground. But Fabio is one of the more live underdogs on this card. I don't know if I'm going to spend the eighty nine hundred dollars. And Monkey Knife Fight, that's an interesting one. I think Monkey Knife Fight is less more because I think Uberg will land and then he'll get tired. I think Fabio can avoid, you know, maybe more more, but I think less more because 88's a lot. 88 is a lot. So yeah, I think less a, more is Monkey Knife Fight. 88's a lot for a guy with his with his skills. You know, I don't know how Nechekwu took all those shots that he did in, the, in, in that fight. He was just had a high guard where I think Fabio is going to want to try to exchange in, in those um in those exchanges. I think he's going to want to try to give one after he takes one. Um, so yeah, I'll probably pay the less, less on this. Yeah. If you want to check that out, go to we slash MKF sign up, make a deposit. They will instantly match that deposit. Use the free money, use the free deposit match money, play some lines, see how you do. It's daily fantasy, super easy. And if you want 55, zero free dollars, go to we slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners, Make a deposit, let me know after you do, and I will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up, at UFC 271, we have Alexander Hernandez versus Hanato Moicano. Hanato Moicano is 15-4 and four overall, 2-3 and three in his last five, coming off a nice submission win over Jai Herbert. Alexander the Great Hernandez, 13-4 and four overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, alternating wins and losses. And Alexander Hernandez, he's had an interesting run in the UFC. He's alternating wins and losses. He looks like he can be a world champion in one fight, and then he'll come out and just be an absolute dud in the next fight. He's beaten some really good people. Like, he beat Benil Dariush. He smoked Benil Dariush. He beat Trinaldo. A lot of people thought that was close, could have gone the other way. But that's still a very good win over a very tried-and-true veteran And Alex is a solid wrestler. He's a solid athlete. He has power. He has speed. He's got good technical boxing. Sometimes he does struggle to mix in the wrestling, which allows his opponents to settle into a rhythm and pick him apart. It's it's very similar to Miles Johns that we broke down last week, except I will say Alexander Hernandez is busier than Miles Johns. He's a little more than just waiting for one big punch. Hanato Moicano is a high-level BJJ black belt who actually just beat Chase Hooper in a grappling match last month. Grappling, not a fist fight. And Chase Hooper's not exactly, you know. But he's skilled, and Hanato Moicano had no issues He's a very good him. grappler. Yeah. That's what he's known for. He is, he's known for his UFC grappling, not like competitive tournament grappling. And uh, oh, Hanato man. Moicano handled him. Uh, he isn't a one-trick punny, though. He's a technical striker. He doesn't really have stoppage power, but he has a nice volume and good pace rhythm that he gets going the concern though is his chin moicano can hang with the better strikers as far as technique is concerned uh but his chin will not hold up to any real test that gets sent that way and it's an interesting fight because i, I think these odds are wide you know moicano's almost a two to one favorite i definitely think it's wide i understand why he's the favorite he's the technical striker has good volume very dangerous on the ground but I think Alex is a way better wrestler, has way more power, real power, has a much better chin. I think if Alex strikes with Moicano and he does not threaten takedowns, 
then Moicano can settle into that rhythm, touch him up on his feet, potentially get his own takedown, and really take over. But I think if Alex does mix in a takedown or two, or at least attempt them, then he can come up over the top, big heavy power, make something happen, and then go from there. You know, get Moicano thinking, do I have to defend this takedown? Should I strike? And really mix it up. You know, I like... You know, I, I like Alexander Hernandez to win this fight. He is my pick here. Let's not forget, Moicano is a 45-pounder that's moving up to 55 after the KO losses to Aldo and Korean Zombie. So I think Hernandez is bigger, faster, hits harder, better wrestler. Moicano's more dangerous on the ground. Moicano's the more technical striker. I like Alexander Hernandez here. You're making faces, you're making noises, what's your problem? Uh, yeah, Morcano, you mentioned his, his four losses. You, you mentioned Jose Aldo, Korean Zombie. The other two losses are to Brian Ortega and Rafael Fiziev. So this guy is only losing to the absolute tippy-top of the best of, of, of each division. Um, and I think he should win this fight. But damn it, man, Alexander Hernandez, for some reason, I was watching an interview. I think I've picked, every time I pick him, he loses. Every time I pick against him, he wins. The guy goes back and forth. I can never dial it in. But I was watching an interview with him. And this guy used to be like the biggest douchebag in the world. Before he before he fought Cowboy, he was like the biggest douchebag. Uh, and he Cowboy, was awful leading up to the Cowboy. Cowboy humbled the shit out of this kid, <laughs> which, was, which was good to see. Um, and I was watching an interview, and he basically said, the one thing I didn't really love, but he said he's the fastest person in the division. He goes, I watched the division. I don't see anyone faster than me. It's like, let's relax with that. But he mentioned that before, he he kind of didn't mix in takedowns because he didn't really trust his cardio. He had to get to a point where one fight, he was focused on wrestling. The other fight, he was focused on striking. And he's finally getting to a point where he's mature enough to be able to focus on every single thing in a fight and use all his tools without having to worry about his cardio. He also mentioned that in a couple fights... Um, the the Drew Jober fight and the Tiago Moises fight, that he walked into the fight and felt like he had pillow hands. He just didn't feel like he had the power in his hands. He didn't feel like he was training enough. And he was going to those fights thinking, I can't knock these guys out. I got to do something different. He ended up losing both those fights. He says, now I, I feel the power in my hands. I know what to do. I can trust my cardio. And damn it, man, he convinced me. And he almost Almost convinced me enough to put him as my lock of the week. That's how convincing he was in this matchup. I love intangibles for fighters. I love fighters that are confident going into fights. And I think he's going to be there. And I think he's going to be all over Renato early and often. I think if he, I think he wins this fight on the feet or on the ground. Uh, and for some reason, I just love Alexander the Great in this matchup. He's not my lock of the week. I'll put him as my backup lock of the week in case something happens to my lock of the week. But, uh, yeah, I guess we agree again. I don't know this is like six fights in a row. I'm, I'm taking Alexander Hernandez. Well, uh, yeah, so I'll have him in DraftKings because he's $7,700. And I think, you know, I, I don't see Moicano knocking him out. Certainly, he's always live for a submission. But I do think, um, I think if Alex is on top and he dictates the wrestling or the takedowns, that shouldn't be a problem. You like him for $7,700 in your lineup. Yeah, it's going to be tough because I, I don't know if he sh even should really mess around with the wrestling. I think that he can dictate this fight and his, use his power on the feet because, you know, Marcano is very, very skilled on the ground and Alexander could find himself in some trouble if he gets a, like a, a weird takedown and all of a sudden the guillotine's there. So I would prefer Alex stay on the feet, maybe like an end of the round takedown, 30 seconds left when you know you can't really get in too much trouble to steal rounds. I like those, but uh, $7,700, I'll see how it plays out. He's definitely a, a great, great value at, at $7,700. Yeah, I like him there. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to place a money line bet on him. We'll see what happens. Maybe I get some line movement or I think I you know, did. I'm, 
I might do Alexander I Hernandez. I might do Alexander Hernandez wins inside the distance, decision, no action. Because he does have real power in his hands. I think he can survive, right? If he, if I, if Alex loses, I see him losing a technical kickboxing match. I think Moicano is actually the more technical striker. And I think he could outstrike him, maybe get some takedowns, ride him out there. So I might do that bet. I'll take a look. If you like a safety net bet like that, we want picks.com slash bets. Bet online is the one betting partner that offers anything like that. Check it out. Make a deposit. Let me know. I'll send you 50 bucks. Monkey knife fight to me is a clear more, more. Yeah, I think we agree. agree. We're, I mean, we're on the same page. Man. I don't I love, love it, this. man. I don't, I don't I'm love loving it. it. I, I don't love it. I don't love it. We are not the same. We are not the same. <laughs> um, I like the more and more monkey knife fight because, yeah, I think they're going to go at it. I think it's closer to a decision than it is a finish. And, uh, you know, those are not very high numbers. So make sure you hit those monkey knife fight lines as soon as possible because they move with the money. If you're watching us live, Log in on another tab or on your, you know, open the app on your phone real quick. Hit this more and more because it will move by the morning. If you're watching it later, check it out. See how much it moved and see if you're still comfortable with it. We want picks.com slash MKF. Next up at UFC 271, we've got Ronnie Lawrence versus Mana Martinez. Ronnie Lawrence is 7-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five, coming off of a great ground-and-pound performance. Mana Martinez is 9-2 overall, 4-1 in his last five, and he's coming off a split decision. Ronnie Lawrence is a good wrestler. He shoots and reshoots really, really well. He is athletic with solid footwork. He uses leg kicks well. And just look at his takedown numbers when I put those up. I'll just put them up now because they're absurd. Look at those takedown numbers. It is insane what he makes happen with his wrestling. He had eight takedowns, eight takedowns against Vince Cachero, and that fight was a stoppage. It didn't even go to the judges' scorecard. Before that, he had 12 takedowns against Jose Johnson. We don't, you know, it's just, we don't know how good he is at holding people down <laughs> because those numbers, that's a lot of takedowns, which means people are popping back up, but Ronnie Lawrence has absolutely no problem sticking to a wrestle-heavy game plan whatsoever. Mano Martinez is an aggressive striker. He's got solid power. He's always looking for a finish. He switches his stance often, and that can be complicated for his opponent, especially if you're trying to take a shot. All of a sudden, the lead leg is swapping up. You're shooting a double. You're shooting a single. What, what are you going to do there? He also has solid counter-striking, very real power. Uh, look what he also did to poor Jose Johnson. Lost to both of these men just last year. Jose threw a lazy jab out there, and Mana just went right over the top. Big right hand, dropped him, straight up slept him with one punch. I mentioned the ridiculous number of takedowns Ronnie has, but again, again, keep in mind that means his opponents are getting up to take, have 12 takedowns. That means he stood up 11 times. Or, okay, you start on your feet. In round one, you start on your feet round two and three. So take two off the top. Nine times this dude stood up. Nine times Ronnie let this guy stand up. That could be a concern because that means there's a lot of opportunities for Manny Martinez to land that big shot. A lot of opportunities because people keep scrambling up and getting up. The reality though, I see Ronnie Lawrence doing what he does, which is shoot one million takedowns, get half of them. Hold Mana down for as long as he can. Let him pop up. Take him down again. I like Ronnie Lawrence to win this fight. I have already parlayed 
Ronnie Lawrence. I have a Ronnie Lawrence and a um, Casey, whatever the hell her name is. O'Neal. Why am I forgetting her name? Future what? Lines. Well, it's going to be Lines, but it's O'Neal right now. Yeah, O'Neal. Uh, Casey O'Neal and Ronnie Lawrence. I have already parlayed that, and I did two full units. I put them together. The Casey O'Neal line is moving even crazier. But anyway, I smashed those together. I got like minus 110, I believe. I threw two units on that. Here's another fight before I go to you. Another one of my rants. Oh, fade the contender series guy. Well, last Ronnie Lawrence's last fight, he was coming off the contender series. Freaking dominated. Got a stoppage. Scored 10 million points in DraftKings. But fade the contender series, guys. Makes no sense. Very close-minded approach to picking fights. Jakey boy. What do you think? Yeah, 100% agree, Ronnie Lawrence. You mentioned the uh, the takedowns. Uh, there was a, every time he, he pretty much got to his feet every single takedown, but damn it, Ronnie Lawrence immediately just threw his ass down to the ground again. It, it was crazy to see how quickly, yeah, he got to his feet, but it was immediately a trip, inside trip, you know, in something to get him back immediately to the ground. And once he gets you to the ground, if you don't scramble up, he is very quick to improve his position. He's not one of those guys that just kind of sits there. He's trying to go from, to, you know, from guard to, to half guard to full mount. He, he's working, uh, you know, constantly on the ground. But I will say, Ronnie Lawrence is to play. He should dominate this fight. But I'm going to place a bet. I already looked. It's not available yet. There is an inside the distance. But I want an inside the distance decision no action for Martinez. Because he could get rode out and lose a decision. But my God, did this dude have cinder blocks for hands. This guy, you say he's got you know decent power. This guy has the real deal power. He's a 135. I think I mentioned in the last breakdown that we did that hits like a middleweight. When he hits you, you go lights out. And if Ronnie Lawrence just mistimes a shot and something weird happens in exchange and this guy hits you, you're going to go to the ground and you're going to get knocked out and you probably won't wake up for three or four weeks. So I'm going to take an inside the distance decisional action for Martinez because he does have real, real power. And Ronnie will kind of work for he is easy with the takedowns and he is quick with them, but he'll he'll dance around. He's got some good side to side movement a little bit, but you know, Ronnie, you better be careful in this matchup. Get it to the ground, do what you do. Um, that's my bet. But Ronnie Lawrence is definitely my pick in this in this matchup. Yeah, and anybody who doesn't know what that bet is, it's a safety net bet. So if if Mana Martinez knocks out Ronnie Lawrence, Jacob will get paid because Mana won by stoppage. If Ronnie Lawrence Gets 12 takedowns and just dominates Mana Martinez. Bell to bell, but it goes to a decision. Jacob gets a refund. Gets his money back, gets a refund. Bet didn't happen. No issues. And those bets are a lot of fun in fights like this. I, I do think Ronnie could TKO him on the top, but if you think Mana is absolutely tough enough to survive, anybody with that kind of KO power that you know can survive a fight, those bets are literally perfect because they're very low risk. And if, let's say, a knockout prop odds on Mana Martinez are plus 500, the safety net one will be like plus 300. So you still get decent odds, and there's a safety it is net plus there. plus 500. Did I say that, or did you guess that? I just guessed that. Good for me. It is inside the distance. It's plus 500 <laughs> yeah. right now for Martinez. Yeah, see? Good for me. Uh, and if you get that, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. BetOnline is the partner, the only partner that offers those prop safety props. Sign up, make a deposit, let me know. I'll send you 50 bucks, but I, I, I may experiment with that as well. DraftKings, I'm going to have Ronnie Lawrence. I think it's foolish if you don't. I mean, the guy, five points per takedown in DraftKings. Five points per takedown. I mean, he's going to get a bunch of takedowns. You agree? 
Yeah, I think he is, but I think at multi-entries, I, I think at $6,900, it's, it's worth a flyer for at least one lineup. Definitely put uh, Martinez in there. So I'll probably play a lineup with Martinez in there and, and try to chase that knockout. I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's that live for like the monkey knife fight, like knockout Kings, because, you know, he could just get taken out like basically immediately and held there. But, you know, for a, for a little flyer bet, you know, I could see it, guys. Okay. Well, Ryan Lawrence is the pick to be as okay. clear as possible. And uh, <laughs> monkey knife fight, I don't know. I have no idea what to do with this monkey knife fight strike line because Ronnie Lawrence could get a million takedowns. But, and I understand he's busy with the strikes because he's on top, but like, man is trying to stand up. You're trying to drag him back down. Like, I, I don't know what to do with this strike line. This is a hard one. And I'll probably avoid it. What do you think? Yeah. I'll avoid it too. Let's just agree 100% on everything tonight. Let's agree on everything. Okay, great. Well, then you might as well just hop off and I'll finish the show out. So, anyway, we on picks.com slash MKF. If you, honestly, Ronnie Lawrence might be a solid knockout Kings play because you can get on top and elbow his way to a TKO. That's disrespectful. Next up, at UFC 271, we have Maxim Grishin taking on a short Notice replacement William Knight. Maxim Grishin, 31 and 9 overall. William Knight, 11 and 2 overall. Maxim Grishin, 2, 2 and 1 in his last five. William Knight, 4 and 1 in his last five, with the only loss being to Da Un Jung, who was able to just straight up out wrestle and control William Knight. And that was a pretty survive, uh, surprising outcome. Jacob, what are you taking? Picture of the screen? Unbelievable. A little Snapchat. A little, little Snapchat. Okay. William Knight I'm is trying, I'm trying to promote the show. Yeah, thank you so much. William Knight is taking this fight on short notice. He's replacing Ed Herman, who had to withdraw. William's a big guy. He cuts a lot of weight. He's always training. So I, you know, I wasn't sure what kind of shape he was in when he accepted this fight. So I reached out. A couple mutual friends. We're all from Connecticut. Reached out to a couple mutual friends. I said, "Hey, man, do me a favor. Let me know. You don't have to tell me any secrets." When William Knight took this fight, is he in shape? Is he training? And uh, the response was, William's a gym rat. William's always in shape. And even when he's tired, he doesn't stop. So, okay. Take that for what it's worth. Expect William Knight to, yes, he doesn't have a full camp, but he should be uh, as, as well prepared as somebody can be uh, at this point. And if you're just looking at William Knight, you can draw some conclusions. He has insane power. Yes, Correct. But you wouldn't assume that he has good cardio. And he actually does have really good cardio. And you probably wouldn't assume that he's a good wrestler if you watch him fight because you know he's got big, heavy, fast hands. And he's also a very good wrestler. He's coming off a nice win over Alonzo Menafield where he was able to push the pace later in the fight to take it. He's incredibly explosive. He throws everything with intent. He averages two takedowns per fight, which really helps mix things up. All of a sudden, people are now worried about takedowns when before they were worried about just making sure their head stayed on their body. My only issue with how William Knight fights is he keeps his head straight up in the air, straight up in the air, which is a little concerning. Um, but great cardio, has a decent pace, incredible power in his hands, and he mixes in wrestling, which you really don't expect 
from somebody with that kind of power in their hands. Maxim Grishin is a striker. He does throw in combinations. He loves sitting on a big right hand as well. He has an amazing job of waiting and then rushing forward with a combination when there's an opening. So he'll sit, you'll come in, and he'll come rushing forward, throw four or five punches, swing together a combination. As soon as he senses you're out of a rhythm or off balance, that's exactly when he attacks. He's like a shark with blood in the water because he has fantastic finish instincts. He is coming um, coming off a close loss to Dustin Jacoby, where honestly a couple of missed takedowns and a couple of step backwards were the difference with the judges because that fight was super, super close. And this is another tough fight to call because I personally think a full camp William Knight and a short notice William Knight are different. Because I, I like William's style against Maxim. I like that he has that incredible power. I like he's got a good chin. So, you know, Maxim will throw things, and I think William can take it. I like William to mix in takedowns, to push a pace, keep his cardio. But, you know, even though William's a gym rat, even though word is that he's in pretty good shape and he just won a, a very low-key grappling match a little while ago, but it was low-key, local thing, nothing crazy. You don't need to be in phenomenal shape to do that. Even though all of those things, I do worry that he will tire later in the fight and Maxim could take over. I will find a way to bet on William. I do think he's one of the most live underdogs on this entire card. But the short notice has me a little worried. So Maxim is the pick, but I will be watching live betting this fight because if William Knight looks like he still has gas after the first round, bang, I'm betting on him. Done. Because that's my concern is he punches himself out in the first round and then Maxim takes over. What do you think? What is the gestures? Our first disagreement of the night. I will never in my entire life. You can write this down. Hold me to it. I will never, ever, ever again pick against William Knight. Look at this guy and what he's done. Every time I pick against him, he shows up. He wins. I love him so much in this matchup. Damn it, man. He's the lock of the week. William Knight, my boy. I picked against you a, a couple times. I'm so sorry, man. You're my guy in this matchup. I, I have no real reasons why except for just look at him. He's a specimen. He comes in with real power, and he just finds a way to win. I think he finds a way to win this fight. I think a lot of people agree with me. I think the opening odds, the UFC for some reason has him listed at like plus 250. He's bet down already like a, like a plus 140 or something. I put a money line bet on him. He's my lock of the week, man. William Knight. Um, I think he gets the job done, you know, however he wants, honestly. So <laughs> lock of the week, William Knight. Let's go. This will be uh seven of eight. The lock of the week is real again. We're back, man. It is real, <laughs> real again. again. We, had, we had the sexy Mexi last week. Um, a little misstep the, the previous week, but like four or five in a row before that. So we're on a we're on a nice streak here. I didn't love a lot of people in this matchup, and then I fixated on William Knight and those beautiful, beautiful pecs. So uh, lock of the week, William Knight and his pecs. Yeah, he's super live, and I hate picking against a fellow Connecticut guy, fellow Connecticut wrestler at that. I'm a little older than him, so we never competed, but same weight class. That would have been a fun one. But um, I do like William Knight uh, at $7,500 in DraftKings. I didn't pick him. I didn't pick him literally because of the camp. If this was full camp versus full camp, I like William. It doesn't matter. I, like I, mean, I, I follow this guy on Instagram. I see him every single day, and the stuff that he does is just out of this world. He's so strong. It is just He is just one of those guys that will just go in there and just knock anyone's head off. 
VCR repair. Somebody man said we, we want pecs. <laughs> yeah, we want pecs. So, yeah. um, but William Knight and DraftKings is probably not a bad play if you're just chasing that knockout because he's live for one at all times. But so is not, he's not chasing a knockout. He's going to get the knockout. He's lock of the week. Seventy five hundred dollars. You better put him in the lineup. Maxim Grisham's got some very real power too, and William Knight keeps his matter. chin up. So listen, I like. Maxim Christian because of the short notice. But William Knight's super live. I'm rooting for lock of the week. I will happily give up this pick. And like I said, I'm not going to bet. I, I'm going to wait for live betting just to see what that cardio looks like, see how he's holding up. You're obviously going to have him in your lineup for $7,500, right? That's got to be a no-brainer. I mean, it's a, it's a first-round knockout. So, yeah, I'll do that. There you go. Monkey Knight fight? I agree. It's probably less-less because I think... Either William Knight's going to clip him, put him down, or he's going to slow down, gas, and then Maxim's going to catch him with his chin up, breathing with his mouth open because he's tired. So I think it is a stop. What's the round line? Is this a one and a half or two and a half? Oh, I don't know. Let me check for you, sir. Okay. We'll just sit here in silence. If this is a one and a half line, I'm hitting the over for sure. For sure. It is a two and a half. What's the under? Under two and a half is plus 110. So they expect this to go the distance pretty much. I'm surprised. I'm going to take a closer look. I am look. too. You can get does not go the distance for plus 115. I'm placing okay. it right now. Yeah, let me take notes. I will place that for myself as well. So I'm D putting 25 units on it. One unit. Yeah, I'll throw one unit that does not go the distance. I, you put, know what? I put two units on it. The reality is it could go to a decision, but you know, fist fights are it's fist fights. Well, that's going to knock me out in the first round. Quit playing well, with these people. If you want to place a bet like that and you want $50 free to do it, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and I will send you $50 as a thank you. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it, 50 bucks to place some bets and make some money. Next up, at UFC 271, we have Alex Perez fighting Matt Schnell. Alex Perez is 24-6. and six. Overall, he's three and two in his last five, coming off a year-long layoff, and it was after a loss to Figueredo, who obviously champion. Matt Schnell is fifteen and six overall, three and two in his last five. This fight is rebooked from UFC two sixty-nine a couple months ago, and that's because Schnell wasn't medically cleared, and the odds are even what UFC? wider. Which one? Two six nine. Nice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, uh, the odds are much wider now because Perez was a minus 330 favorite in that fight. Now he's a minus 400 favorite. So the odds moved quite a bit between that fight and this fight. And Alex Perez is a very, just mute yourself if you're going to snicker <laughs> like his church. Alex Perez is a very good striker with fantastic low kicks and solid wrestling. His low kicks are so devastating, he stopped Juicier Formiga with them. It's, Old school Jose Aldo style, just chopping down that tree, sticking with that and making things happen. He comes in with solid combinations and he finishes every one of those exchanges with a leg kick and then he'll circle out, reset, and do it again. He averages three takedowns per fight, but the most impressive wrestling statistic is his 90% takedown defense. Matt Schnell is a very good counter striker with solid BJJ. He does an amazing job backing up two steps 
And as you come in, he will plant his feet and he comes forward with combinations. He loves doing this off of leg kicks as well. So you'll finish your leg kick combination and that's exactly when he'll come rushing forward. And he's a really slick BJJ guy on the ground. He snatches things up and he scrambles pretty well. I thought the odds were ridiculous last time. I thought minus 330. I, you know, I just thought it was really wide because... You know, Alex absolutely should be a favorite, but I think the margin is wide. Even if you factor in the medical issues from Schnell, I still think the odds are a little wide, and I even thought they were wide last time when they were closer. This could be a very entertaining fight. I think it could be an even close fight as well. Alex is going to come forward. He's going to land his shots. He's going to finish those combinations with the leg kick, and that's exactly when Schnell puts on his counters, comes charging right back in his direction in a tit-for-tat, back-and-forth type fight. I think on the feet, the guys are very evenly matched. Schnell rushing forward when Perez throws that leg kick may eliminate the entire part of Perez's game plan. He may remove those leg kicks from the game plan. And then it comes down to grappling. Alex is the better wrestler. Schnell has the better BJJ. I think this is a close fight. I picked Schnell last time when I broke this down for UFC 269. The only reason I'm not picking Schnell this time is the medical, I mean, he literally wasn't medically cleared. I don't know the full details. If somebody does, let us know in the comments of the live chat. But dude wasn't medically cleared. That is a problem. That is a legitimate problem. And that was only a few months ago. So either he was cutting too much weight, his body started to shut down, or something even more severe than that. So that's the only reason, but um, Alex is the pick. I'm going to see what Schnell looks like. He weighs in. He's looking fantastic. He's bouncing on the scale. No issues. He's cleared. I may have to throw a bet on him at plus 300 underdog. Absolutely. What do you think, Jakey boy? Yeah, you kind of stole my line there because uh, we had that conversation earlier today when I said I was going to wait to see how Schnell looked on the scale, and all of a sudden now it's on the show where you say it before me. So I literally— That's okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just watched the video I broke down of him two months ago. I picked him to win. The only reason I know, I but off I specifically that, mentioned today about the scale. I gotta we'll wait to see because for the people because this is 125 pounds he's trying to make now, and I know he has been at 125 before, but this is one of those guys that bounces around, and this is back down to 125. So we'll see how he looks on the scale. Alex Perez was a All American wrestler who doesn't really wrestle anymore. He's just another one of those guys that has that that grappling ability, but instead is is, is striking with people, and he is successful with that. You mentioned his calf kick KO um, in, in that fight where Matt Schnell and his last fight was getting eaten alive by that calf kick as well so it's kind of an interesting matchup here we'll see if Alex gets a little bit too heavy on that calf kick relies on it if he's throwing blind kicks we've seen that happen time and time again when people start throwing blind kicks that get caught and Matt Schnell is not a guy to mess around with what are the go back to the other graphic what are the odds on this fight I could not believe this matchup I, I don't even know plus yeah I, I don't even know what the uh what I said in the, in the last matchup but rewatch it now if if I picked Alex Perez and I was I did high it on him you were, you were okay. like lazy, didn't show up to work. I didn't. And, and that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm high on Matt Schnell in this fight. If he looks good on the scale, he is going to be my pick 100% in this matchup because you mentioned the slick, slick, slick BJJ on the ground. I think he's. A, I think he, the, the striking is is even. And I think if Alex tries to wrestling, I think he's going to find himself in some trouble with, with, with Matt Schnell in his guard. I like Matt, I like Matt Schnell all the way in this. I, I think the odds are crazy. I, I, just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, I think the odds are wide. I, I picked Matt Schnell last time. I just, 
And Perez, too, hasn't fought in, uh, like, a year and three months either. So we don't know how he's going to look. Sure. Completely agree. So you're going to have Matt Schnell in your... What is so funny? I actually... When you said... Sure. I don't know. Just your tone. I don't don't love the tone here. Let's let's try to clean it up. These are transitions, Jacob. $6,600 for DraftKings. I think Matt Schnell is solid because I don't think Alex Perez stops him. I think this is a back-and-forth fight. I think it's a much closer fight than these odds. Even if Alex Perez wins, I don't think he's definitely not going to earn his 9600 bucks, right? Like, he's going to need a stoppage or a million takedowns to get that. And yeah, I think, you, like... I, okay, you ask a question, then you keep going. I mean, this is... I mean, this... We got to redo this or something. This one is, written, is real bad. But, well, yeah, when I watch Alex Perez, I watch his striking. Listen, he's a very good fighter. He is a very good striker, but... I don't see anything special. A lot of times when you watch people that are very good at as either, either wrestling, grappling, you think, wow, that guy's really good at this. When I watch his striking, it's good, but I don't think anything special to warrant a minus 400 favorite is insane. You better be very good at something if you're a minus 400 favorite, and I don't think he's that much better at anything than Matt Show, except for the, the pure wrestling. Wrestling, so, yeah, straight right, wrestling. The, the, the pure wrestling, but... I don't know yeah, what your question was, but ninety six hundred dollars. I'm yeah, not spending that, and so I'll, pro- I'll probably do the sixty six hundred. Yeah, I I agree. There's no way I'm I'm uh, there's no way I'm spending ninety six hundred dollars in DraftKings. And here's the bet. Here's the bet. Pull it up. They didn't drop the prop yet. Probably plus three and a half points on the judges' scorecard is the bet. So what that is is you buy one single round on the judges' scorecard. So Matt Schnell is plus three hundred. Pretty big underdog. You buy one round on the judge's scorecard. All he needs to do is win one round on his own. He can lose two rounds in real life, but win one round in real life. I bought a round with the bookie, and now all of a sudden I get paid. I win my bet. If he's plus 300 straight up money line, the buy a round always varies, but it's probably still plus 150, plus 200. And all he needs to do is win one round. So I think I'm going to bet that. I think I'll find that bet. I'll take it. It'll be on Bet Online. That's the only place that has those. And I absolutely love those bets for fights like this where you know they're super close, but the odds are insane. Grab the underdog, buy a single round, 29-28 decision, and you'll get paid. We want picks.com slash bets. We have five partners. Bet Online is the one partner that offers that. If you sign up, make a deposit, let me know after you do, and I'll send you 50 bucks. What do you it's think not- of Monkey Knife Fight? And that bet's not live yet. So I, I did try to check for you, sir, but I, I couldn't Thank find you. it on, on the website. But Thank you, Jamie. Monkey Knife Fight, I think, I think this is a, a pure more and more play. I agree. I think it goes the distance. I think it's a straight-up war. I, anybody who's laying out the money for Perez, like, listen, he might win. I think he actually does win. But, like, I'm not laying out minus 400. I think this is much, much closer than those odds. And I'm confident in the more and more Monkey Knife Fight as well. We on picks.com slash MKF. Next up, at UFC 271, we have Roxanne Monteferi versus Casey O'Neill. Roxanne Monteferi is 25 and 19 <laughs> overall. I mean, you're, you're like, Roxanne Monteferi is 25 and 19 overall, two and three in her last five, and she's coming off two decision losses to top 10 women. Casey O'Neill is 8 and 0 in her career, 5 and 0 in her last five, riding a 4 fight stoppage streak. I literally need to cover your face to get through this. A 4 fight stoppage streak. And this is Roxanne Modafferi's retirement fight. 
And the UFC did her literally zero fair. Like, hey, thank you for being a dedicated soldier, fighting every single person we've ever given you. Thank you for showing up, smiling, being a professional, and just representing our brand as well as possible. Here's one of the toughest fights we could possibly give you. So Roxanne is a legend at this point. She's very similar to Sam Alvey, who we broke down last week, in that she shows up, she's happy, she smiles, and she's ready to go. She gives it her all. She's not really athletic, but she's very tough. She has incredible fight IQ. Skill-wise, her striking is awkward, uh, and it's really just there to get a clinch in, push against the cage, hopefully get a takedown. She's a much better grappler than she is striker, and her path to victory is always to slow down her opponents, get in the cage or get it to the ground, and then grind out a win. She's not a stoppage threat, but she is also impossible to finish. Just scroll through her record and find the last time she was stopped. At her core, Casey O'Neill is a Muay Thai striker. She has solid elbows. She's very willing to brawl. She will get into a firefight. She's become somewhat of a wrestler lately. She has had eight takedowns in her last three fights. Her jujitsu is lacking a little bit, which could be an issue in this fight, but it wasn't an issue for her in her last fight. I think Casey will go back to her roots, keep this striking. If she's winning those exchanges, she will likely stay there. If she's not, she does have a proven backup uh, plan with the wrestling. And, and this is very similar to Casey's last fight, except Roxanne is even less dangerous. I have all the respect in the world for somebody like Roxanne. She's put in her time. She has had a very full career of fights that she gave 100% effort to. Unfortunately, I do not see her retiring on a win. I think Casey is literally too good everywhere. I see a very dominant one-sided decision for Casey O'Neill. That's why she's the pick. She'll probably be in my DraftKings lineup. And that is why I did a two-unit bet it's a parlay Casey O'Neill and Ronnie Lawrence put them together two units I got it at minus 110 I did that two days ago I think the line has moved since then so you still might get it from minus 120 minus 130 and that's worth it I think both of them win and dominate what do you think you done smelling uh, the graphic yeah, Casey, my Instagram is, is JT underscore lines. My, my Twitter is JT underscore lines. I, I, I'm six foot three, 225 pounds. Uh, I love long walks on the beach, uh, dancing in the rain. I've got a, a beautiful black lab, as you see behind me. Um, please reach out. I'll have my people get in touch with your people. We'll exchange numbers and, and we'll get this going. We'll get this ball rolling. So uh, uh, Casey O'Neill is the pick. That's all I need to say. She's going to dominate the fight. She should. I, I'm willing to look absolutely stupid um, for Casey. She's going to absolutely dominate this fight. Okay. Well, very and please reach out. I mean, Casey, I'm serious. You're probably watching this. Oh, my God. He's so funny. I am pretty funny. But please, I'm serious. Reach out. Reach out. <laughs> all right. Well, Casey O'Neill is both of our pick. Make sure you tag, her. You, you tag her in these, right? I tag all the fighters in the videos. We, we're not going to shy away. We're not going to break down fighters, give our thoughts, and then just hide in the shadows like we didn't say the things we said. Casey O'Neill, both of our pick, pretty straightforward, pretty confident. I, I will be rooting for Casey to win and dominate because of my DraftKings, but not to, uh, you know, I, I poor Roxanne, man. If Roxanne wins and pulls this off, I will be so happy for her. She has put in the time. And the UFC is already advertising this fight, and they're calling Roxanne a trailblazer. Which she is. But then why the hell are you do? Why are you doing this to her? Why are you sending her out like this? There's not another fight that she could have gotten. So anyway, 
I feel bad. Casey O'Neill is the pick. Casey O'Neill, I will spend the $9,500. What do you think? You're going to spend I'll it? spend yeah, I'll spend any <laughs> amount of money. I got, I got, a, I got a four hundred one k on low. Casey, you, you tell me what you need. I got you. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Uh, and and honestly, it's probably more and more in monkey knife fight. It it most likely is hundred twenty five is so many strikes, but it is almost a guarantee that this will go to the distance because Roxanne is just not. She's so incredibly tough. And I don't see Casey getting submitted, which would really be Roxanne's only path to victory. If you want 50 free bucks so you can shoot your shot like Jacob oh, shooting his. you weren't going to ask me. I mean, you weren't even going to ask me about that. What do you think of Monkey Knife Fight? That was such no, a No, I had a great line planned out that was going to be real slick. I was going to say, you know, Roxanne can probably last 15 minutes, but I don't know if I can. So uh, I think it's a more and more play. Jesus, dude. Jesus. Anyway. I mean, just, I mean, it's just... If you want to shoot your shot like Jacob just did at 50 bucks, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, sign up, make a deposit with any one of our five betting partners. Let me know after you do, and I will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. It is literally that simple. Next up at UFC 271, we have the undercard Feature fight. We have Andre Orlovsky versus Jared Vandera. Andre Orlovsky, 32 and 20 overall. He is four and one in his last five. Uh, and that lone loss was a submission to Tom Aspinall last year. Jared Vandera, 12 and six overall, three and two in his last five. And he's coming off the brutal loss to Alexander Romanov. I imagine all of you know who Andre Orlovsky is at this point. In case you don't, he is a straight-up legend, a former champion, a future Hall of Famer, and one of the most accomplished heavyweights to fight in the UFC ever. He has very good boxing, pretty good kicks, and as of late, decent grappling uh, as well. And when I say as of late, I mean later in his career because his last few fights were literally just kickboxing matches. He's been fighting for over 20 years, and not only does he bring all that knowledge into every single fight, he does manage to make small improvements. We've seen him make little adjustments as he gets older, as he improves, and as he sort of evolves his game plan, which is ridiculous after 20 years that he can do that. Um, Obviously, being 43 years old, his chin is a question, and it's weird. His chin has had high and lows. It's almost like Glover Teixeira as well, where great chins most of their career. They hit a certain age, the chin immediately dropped off and they were getting knocked out. Andre Olovsky at one point in his career was just getting knocked out left and right. And then all of a sudden that chin came back and now he's taking shots. Chase Sherman cracked him a few times. Carlos Philippe cracked him a few times and and he did not look like he was in any trouble. So it's always interesting to see that. But Andre Olovsky, very good striker, as we know, incredible experience, as we know, and Seems to be his chin is holding up, but 43 is a very sketchy number. Jared Vandera built his pre-UFC career on his grappling. He was a big, strong grappler that grappled to win. And then at Justin Taffa fight, he turned into a volume striker. Put out real volume there, won a kickboxing match. And now that he's a striker, and now that he fights like a striker, he's got a long jab, solid distance control, clean striking, in addition to his big size and his wrestling. He hasn't showcased his wrestling in the UFC, but part of that is because he's been matched up with some wrestling beasts so far, and the only one that wasn't was Taffa, and he smoked Taffa. 
I see this fight being pretty similar to Andre's last two fights versus Carlos Felipe and and Chase Sherman. I think it's a three-round kickboxing match. The game plan that Jared used against Justin Taffa, well, that worked really well for him, and he'll probably use that against Andre. So I don't even see Jared trying to wrestle Andre here. I think he's going to try to strike strike for strike with him. And uh, I think Andre Olovsky is going to win. He's not Justin Taffa. I think he, you know, I think he's got much better footwork. For the love of God. He's got much better footwork. I think he can avoid any damage that Jared could throw his way. He's definitely got very real power. Um, You know, I, I mentioned Jared started his career as a wrestler, but so far in the UFC, he has one single takedown. I actually think Jared would have more success wrestling with Andre than striking. But both paths are uphill battles. I like Andre to win. I've got a money line bet on Andre Olovsky at minus 140. This is another fight where the line is moving. Jared is much better, similar to how I broke down, um, uh, who was it earlier? Uh, Fabio Charant. He's similar in that he's much better than his UFC record. But Andre Olovsky is a tall task, especially the way he's been fighting. He is 43, but I will still lay out some money and trust that chin. What do you think? Yeah, I think Jared needs to come in with a, with a grapple-heavy game plan because Andre Olaski, you mentioned he's kind of had this late resurgence. And, and Carlos Felipe um, is a really, really, really good boxer. Like a, That's what he's known for is his boxing. And, and Orlowski outboxed Felipe. It was a close matchup. I don't know if Felipe agrees with the, uh, the decision for the judges' scorecards, but he was tit-for-tat with Carlos Felipe at, at his age is, is, is impressive. And you mentioned he was getting hit as well. The chin held up. If this is a boxing match, I'm Orlowski all the way in this match. I'm, I'm glad that he's the favorite. Uh, I think he it's finally people are starting to turn back on to him as far as uh, respecting who he is and as a fighter. Um, if I'm Jared, I would I would try to wrestle heavy, but I think he comes out. I think he tries to strike, and I like Orlowski all the way. I'm just, I don't know if he's going to be able to put away Jared, but uh, I could see him just kind of box his way to a three-round victory. Yeah, and um, you know I did a straight-up money line bet. I doubt it at minus 140, but you know he may be – uh, the solid, the most likely outcome to this fight is Andre Olovsky wins a decision. That's the most likely outcome. So, you know, th- that's probably the best bet. I don't know what it is, but th- that's honestly probably the best bet there. Um, it is plus 135 to win by points. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll stick to minus 140. That is a big swing, but um, but yeah. Uh, Andre Olovsky, this is an interesting one because I my instincts were to say, of course he's going to be in my DraftKings lineup. He's pretty affordable. I'm, I'm almost positive he's going to win. But then I looked at his scores in DraftKings. They're low. They're low. He's scoring 50, 60 if you're lucky. So his low his scores are low in DraftKings, so I probably won't spend the 8300 bucks because even though he wins, it's probably not a stoppage and he's not going to put up any real numbers. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not going to touch him in DraftKings either because I don't think he's going to get the finish. And his chin has been suspect before. And, and Jared is a real, real heavyweight. He's not one of those small heavyweights that's trying to box. So he's got he's got power too. So 8,300 is a little little too much for for me. If he was the underdog, I, I'd like him. But yeah, no. What do you think of Monkey Knife Fight? I, I'm thinking more and more because again, I think this is a three round kickboxing match. I think it's more and more. Look at the numbers with Vandera versus Taffa. Andre Olovsky versus his last two opponents. More and more is probably the monkey knife I play. Yeah, it's probably the safe bet. Like we keep saying, if Jared comes into wrestles, things could get different pretty quickly. But uh, in a straight boxing, kickboxing matchup, I, I think it's definitely a more and more play. And this Look is another us, one. Man. We're just, we're just, it's on, a, this is unreal. I, yeah, there's no point in two of this us. This feels set up, honestly. 
there's there is an opportunity to bet on Jared here because I do think it's a decision. And this could be one of those safety net bets that we've been talking about all night. You can get Jared Vandera wins inside the distance, decision, no action. And it's an easy opportunity to bet against Andre Olofsky's chin, but get your money back if it holds up. So if Jared Vandera knocks Andre Olofsky out, you get paid. If Jared Vandera loses a kickboxing decision, then you get a refund and it never happened. That's probably a very safe bet. Uh, to place here. And those safety net bets, you are only going to get them at wewantpicks.com slash bets. Click on bet online, make a deposit. Let me know after you do, I'll send you 50 bucks. But that's probably a solid safety net bet here because I don't see, um, you know, I, I don't see Jared getting finished. But Andre Olovsky, who I don't see getting finished either, has that chin. Is it going to hold up at 43? I don't know. And if it doesn't, you get paid. And if it does, who cares? You get a refund. You don't lose your money. We own picks.com slash bets. Next up at UFC 271, we have the main card opener. We have Bobby Green versus Nazrat Hack Parast. Bobby Green is 28 and 12 overall. Three and two in his last five. Coming off of the knockout win over Al Iaquinta. Nazrat Hack Parast is 13 and four overall, three and two in his last five, and he's coming off the surprising loss to Dan Hooker. Nazrat Hakparas, a very good striker, and he is coming off that loss to Dan Hooker where he had no answer for the wrestling at all. And it's surprising because historically, he's had very good takedown defense, and even if he does get taken down, he would pop right back up. If you ignore the Dan Hooker fight, just take that out of the equation, and you go back to his fight with Alex Munoz, who's a nasty wrestler, he defended eight takedowns, and Alex Munoz was a D1 college wrestler, and he's the team alpha male wrestling coach, and he wasn't taking down Nasrat. I say all this because I think the grappling loss to Hooker was more of a fluke than anything. He likely wasn't expecting the wrestle, so wasn't preparing that way, and let's not forget all the drama, and Dan Hooker had these issues too, but all the drama going into that week with the... Um, visas and the day that they actually landed and got in that was a hectic week for them so he may have just not been mentally prepared for any of it bobby green's a busy striker he's got a showboat style tons of volume he has solid wrestling he's coming off of a first round knockout and his first knockout in a while and it was a knockout over al al oh my god al i aquinta where he straight up i'm not gonna make fun of you like you made fun of me last week he straight up retired Al Iaquinta with a textbook one-two. Jab, right, bang, literally retired Al Iaquinta. And before that, he had an awesome fight with Rafael Fizayev, where he hung with one of the best strikers in the division. He even took that last round because Rafael slowed down and Bobby Green never slows down. He does have that Roy Jones Jr. boxing style. He's got the low hands, and then he jumps in. He's a good grappler. He's pretty good everywhere. Bobby Green's the favorite, and I get why. It's an interesting matchup, though, because Nazrat's a fantastic striker who at one point looked like he was going to be the future of the division. Bobby has always been an incredibly talented guy. Historically, though, I don't necessarily think he's lived up to his potential. You know, he's alternated wins and losses for a little while there and, and just didn't really seem to put it together when he needed to. I think if this fight stays standing, Nazrat is the better striker. I think he's will have the cleaner strikes. He'll definitely have more power. 
Bobby's tough, so he'll hang. Bobby's another, he's a real tough guy to put away. If this fight goes to the ground, then I think Bobby has a very clear advantage. The concern here is that Bobby does not always use his wrestling. He has it. He doesn't always use it. Sometimes he just has so much fun striking. Even if he's losing the exchanges, he has so much fun doing that that he'll fall behind and lose himself a a decision. And that's what makes it tricky because if I was positive that Bobby Green would wrestle, I'd lean on Bobby Green. I'm not positive that he's going to wrestle and you just can't necessarily trust him to, you know, not just fall into a striking rhythm and stay there the whole time. But I am going to lean Bobby here because I think his striking good enough to, is, is good enough to hang and he has good striking on his own too. And he has the wrestling if he needs it and if he uses it, I think he's solid. I am worried about his game plan though. I think these odds are wide. I get why he's a favorite. I think he wins, but I think the odds are wide. Are you going to agree with me again? No, I mean, what? Who, who's your pick? You just spent the entire video I said trashing Bobby, Bobby Green and then said, oh, yeah, I think I'll pick Bobby Green. You're like, I think he's the better striker. I think this and this, but I'm going Bobby Green. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Bobby Green, I mentioned in my breakdown, I did a full car main event breakdown, uh, main card breakdown. Watch it yesterday's uh, video where I broke down the entire main card, and this is what I said. Bobby Green is one round away from being two fights away from a title shot, and what that means is he won the Tiago Moises fight. He, he won that fight. Everyone knows he won that fight. Bad decision. The Rafael Fizet fight, he won the third round. So that means he was a little bit of volume away from stealing the second round, which gets him a win against uh, Fiziev, which would have given him five fights in a row. He would have had a top 15 opponent last time instead of Ally Quinta, and he would have beat that person because he's an incredible fighter. And then he's going to be fighting a top five guy for a chance to fight for the title. That's how good Bobby Green is fighting right now. He is going tit for tat with anyone they put in front of him, knocking out Ali Quinta, which I predicted. He hadn't knocked anybody out in like six years, but I predicted that. No problem. Bobby Green is fighting so good, and you cannot hit the guy. You can't hit the guy. Even when Fiziev was hitting you know, solid shots, the way he has that shoulder roll and the way he has his head movement, and he's able to roll and absorb with every single shot, Fiziev was hitting him clean, but you can never hit Bobby Green clean. The last person to do it was Dustin Poirier like 25 years ago and put his lights out. Bobby Green is the better striker in this matchup. I, I think this matchup is tailor-made for Bobby Green. I, I just don't see any realm of possibility this is gonna sound stupid that Nazar wins this fight I'm Bobby Green all the way in this matchup I think he's been fighting fantastic I think his striking has been phenomenal and he's finally putting some power behind it I'm Bobby Green all the way he's only 35 years old I think he's hitting his prime like right now and if he doesn't lose that bad decision to Moises steals that second round for for Fiziev this dude's in the top 10 right now getting ready for a title shot by the end of the year so I'm Bobby Green all the way um, I think I put like a two unit bet on him, even even with the with the plus or the minus money. So now, I might be crazy and I might look stupid in this matchup, but I was hoping you were going Nazrak because I want to put a hundred dollar bet on Bobby Green uh, with us straight up. So we'll have to find another fight, but I'm Bobby Green all the way. What what does the weigh in have to do with this? Because you're not worried about Bobby being exhausted and not making weight. Why do you care what the weigh ins? What happens to the weigh ins? I didn't say anything about the weigh ins. You literally said I'm waiting till the weigh ins. I'm waiting to watch the weigh ins to see. I didn't say that at all. I don't know okay. what the hell you are. All right, I can't wait to play this back for you. There's no, I I, I, no, there's nothing okay. about the weigh All right. Okay, can we bet? Can we bet? Yeah, $100? I would love to bet. I never said anything about the weigh-ins. Okay. I'll put $100, $100. on it. 
Yeah, hundred bucks. You just mentioned the weigh-ins in this breakdown. I didn't mention anything about waiting okay. until the weigh-ins. I didn't mention anything about that. You mentioned the weigh-ins in this breakdown, and I can't wait to. You click said I was bucks. waiting until the weigh-ins. I never mentioned anything about that. Okay. Okay. I'm excited for this one. This is I easy. Hundred bucks. I love Bobby Green at eighty-four hundred dollars because. I do think he mixes in some wrestling. Strikes traditionally aren't going to score a ton of points, but I do think he shoots a takedown, gets some wrestling in there, five points, some control time. So I like him at 8400 bucks, and I'm assuming you agree as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be able to put it right away, Naz, right? He does have the volume to warrant it, so I'll see how my money plays out, but I, I definitely like him to win the fight for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Naz, I mean, if he was less, he'd be a play because he's he's got so much power. He is live for a knockout, but... Bobby Green's just such a hard guy to finish, so I don't see that happening. And the strike line's tricky, man. 91 is so many for Bobby Green. What do you think? Uh, I go more and more. More and more. You think he gets past 91? Yeah, I don't know what to do. He's a volume guy, man. He is. I I don't know what to do with the 91, so I'm probably going to sit tight, wait to see what the market does to that line, because if you don't know, the lines move with the market. People will play the more, the the less, and... Monkey Knife Fight will adjust those lines based on those plays to, to keep it competitive. If you want to check that out, we own picks.com slash MKF. If you want 50 free dollars, five, zero free dollars, go to we want picks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Next up at UFC 2. 71, we have two former Jacob Lock of the Weeks. Kyler Phillips fighting Marcelo Rojo. Kyler Phillips, 9-2 overall. He's 4-1 and one in his last five. Coming off the incredible fight, but a loss to Julian Paeva. Marcelo Rojo, 16-7 overall. 3-2 in his last five. And he's coming off a short notice loss to Charles Jordan. This fight has potential to be fight of the night. Two really exciting guys. Always busy. Always forcing action. Always looking to make something happen. Kyler Phillips is a very diverse striker. A well-rounded fighter overall. He can strike. He can grapple. His feet are always moving, which makes him difficult to hit and to take down. Most of the time, Kyler does a very good job mixing things up. But he is willing to slug it out and put on a show. And that can be a problem for him. Three out of his last four official UFC fights have performance of the night bonuses, including his loss to Rulian Paeva. Where if you look at the stats, he won. The stats tell a very different story than the actual fight. He had more strikes, more takedowns. But in reality, he gave up poorly timed takedowns. He made a couple of really poor decisions. And that's ultimately what cost him the fight. He was too excited. Some low IQ moments. And that's why he lost. Marcelo Rojo, he's coming off that loss over Charles Jordan. But let's not forget that he took it on short notice. And it was up a weight class. We also can't forget that he was winning that fight before ultimately he gassed big time hard and then was stopped. He's a very exciting fighter. He comes forward. He's got solid pressure, good hands. His offensive wrestling could use a little bit of work, but his wrestling defense is very good. Theoretically, this is a very easy pick, right? Kyler will have the more technical striking, definitely be the better grappler. But the reality is that he makes mistakes in his fights and that's what cost him his win in his last fight. You could call it low IQ or just overexcited. I mean, the guy only has 11 fights to his name and gets a little excited. If he makes those same mistakes against a very game Rojo, he could find himself in some trouble because Rojo has a knack for sneaking out those late surprising wins. Those come from behind wins, snatch something up. I do think Kyler gets this done, 
I think he does it with his offensive wrestling. He averages three takedowns per fight, but we will need, or he will need to be on point, not overextend himself. Don't overcommit to things that aren't there. Um, so he doesn't get himself into some trouble. I do expect a fun back and forth fight. I like Kyler Phillips to win. Potentially a plus three and a half on Marcelo Rojo. What do you think? Uh, that's a dumb bet. Um, yeah, so you guys are, are, are very welcome for this matchup. You, you mentioned former lock of the week, former lock of the week. I feel like I'm a proud parent watching my sons, uh, I guess, fight in the front yard. I don't know. I guess that's not a, a, a normal thing for a dad to be excited to watch his sons fight, but this is how I feel in this matchup. And this is Kyler Phillips' fight to lose. Uh, you mentioned his fight IQ. I think it was more overconfident in that matchup versus Paeva because if you watch that Song Yudong fight, his fight IQ was off the charts. And I mentioned it in my breakdown as well. He, he knew when he was losing exchanges, and that's very important with a fighter because a lot of times you'll see fighters, and Rojo is kind of one of those fighters that once they get in an exchange, they just want to get the better of every single exchange. Where Kyler Phillips knew when to get out. His footwork is incredible. I was made fun of a lot for that pick, that Sonny Young pick, the lock of the week pick, and he came in and outstruck Yudong. And in those exchanges that he was losing, he was getting those takedowns. It was, it was very, very timely takedowns. He knew when he needed the takedowns to steal the rounds if he was losing the exchanges. Um, I think he does the same thing in this matchup. Listen, I love Marcelo Rojo, and this dude is an absolute dog. And we saw that versus Charles Jordan, and that it looks even better now because now we know what Charles Jordan is, right? He is an absolute dog, and he took the round from Charles Jordan. Eventually, he did get tired. He did get finished, but that's kind of what Charles Jordan, we found out, does to people. He kind of just wears you down and finish you in the third round and eventually Marcelo Rojo he put up a hell of a fight because he was getting beat on that entire third round and almost survived to go to a decision but you know I'm all Kyler Phillips in this matchup but I put at, for my heart I did put a half a unit money line bet on Rojo because this dude is a dog he's been, he's one of Moreno's biggest training partners so he's been training Moreno for Figgy. I think that he might have a, you know, you mentioned the, the good wrestling defense. He might have some, you know, surprising offensive uh, wrestling on, on his half. And this dude, when he, it seems like a lot of times those fights that he wins are fights that he's losing. He gets hurt. He comes up, he throws a wild knee or he throws a wild elbow and he catches a guy. So I put a half unit on him to win. I don't think he's going to win, but I'm going to put maybe a full unit on like an inside the distance decisional action because he's got the opportunity there. He is tough. Kyler does get a little too aggressive at times, but Kyler Phillips, this is your fight to, to win or your fight to lose basically 100%. He should dominate the matchup in the striking or in the wrestling and the grappling, but you know, Marcelo Rojo's a dog. I, I wouldn't be surprised if something wild happens with Rojo. This is definitely going to be the fight of the night. I said last week the Peterson and Arosa fight was going to be the fight of the night, possibly the fight of the year. This could top it, honestly, because both these guys are, are wild. They're both tough. Um, and I, I, I can't wait to watch. My boys, these are my two boys, Kyla Phillips, Marcelo Rojo, uh, get after it. So I'm excited that it's the main card they'll put on the show. Yeah, I think the, the pick is Kyler Phillips, but I agree with a bet on Marcelo Rojo. So I'm not going to money line him. I'll do more of a safety net bet. So I either like, there's two safety net bets that I like on Marcelo Rojo. Plus three and a half, which is buying one single round on the judges scorecard because I think he'll absolutely take a round. I imagine those odds are not great, but I like Marcelo Rojo to keep this fight competitive. Or... I'll do whichever one has better odds inside the distance decision, no action. Because like you said, he could catch uh, Kyler Phillips. Cardio is not very good. He gets exhausted. He slows down big well, time. I think it's, I think it's better than you think, but he just, 
he goes hard. That fights dude goes so hard. hard. Yeah. He's like Fiziev, right? Where Fiziev is like, I have good cardio. I just fight too crazy. And that's what Philip does sometimes. Yeah. So I like, you know, if Kyler Phillips gets tired late, that Marcelo Rojo can pull something off because Rulian Paeva also made some crazy decisions in that fight. So if all of a sudden Marcelo Rojo, who has a knack for finishing, has way more experience than Kyler Phillips has, could sneak something out. So I do like a bet on Marcelo Rojo. I'm going to grab whichever one has better odds. I'll let you guys know. Both of those safety net prop bets are at wewantpicks.com slash bets. Bet online is the one partner that offers them. So jump in, make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and I'll send you 50 bucks. What do you think of DraftKings and Monkey Knife Fight? Uh, you know, it, it hurts my heart, honestly, to pick Kyler Phillips and DraftKings against Rojo, but I, I think the takedowns are going to be there. Um, I think his wrestling is, is very underrated. I know Rojo has good takedown defense, but I think Kyler is able to get it, and I think he's able to wear down Rojo. I think both these guys are tired, and, and I think it's one of those sloppy, sloppy fights into the second round, into the third round, but I think Kyler Phillips has the heart and is able to break Rojo, so I might play the $9,400. Um, but the monkey knife fight, I, I love the more and more in the monkey knife fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I agree with that. Cause I think Kyler Phillips could probably end up being worth it quite a bit. If he's getting a ton of, t- you know, three takedowns per fight. He averages that's 15 points right there at 30. If he wins a decision, that's 45 points without a single punch, no control time, nothing else happened in that fight other than what he, what he averages in takedowns and winning a decision. So I, I agree. And then um, Monkey Knife Fight's interesting. It's probably more and more. It is probably more and more because I think it's a war. I think it's a much closer fight than the odds. So it's probably more and more. And if you want to check that out, we on picks.com slash MKF. Next up at UFC 271, we have a very interesting fight that a lot of you are split on what you think happens. We have Jared Cannonier fighting Derek Brunson. Jared Cannonier. 14 and 5 overall, 4 and 1 in his last 5 with the only loss being a decision to Robert Whitaker. Derek Brunson 23 and 7 overall, 5 and 0 in his last 5 with five very dominant wins. Jared Cannonier is a very powerful striker with incredible leg kicks. He switches from southpaw to orthodox and throws kicks from both sides. He has okay grappling. It's mostly defensive, though. He will want to keep this fight standing because he just has such incredible power. He's massive for the weight class, but he's, and that's because he started his career as heavyweight, worked his way down the middleweight, kept all the muscle, kept all the power, ditched all the fat, and got much, much faster. If he ends up on top, which will be hard in this fight because he's not really going to take down Derek Brunson, but if he ends up on top, he's got real power, real pressure, and he's impossible to get off of you. He just went five rounds with Kelvin Gaslam, and he defended eight takedowns. His takedown defense has been holding up. Derek Brunson has been a dominant wrestler as of late. His striking continues to improve. He's mixing in his wrestling really, really well. Derek has some power, and if he threatens with the takedown, he'll have a lot more success with his striking, but his chin is worrisome. What's really impressive about Derek's wrestling, though, is that he added it later in his career. Listen to these stats. If you look at his first 14 UFC fights, he had less than 10 takedowns total. Now, in his last five fights, he has 19 takedowns. 
and he's riding that five-fight win streak. So wrestling has completely transformed who Derek Brunson is as a fighter. It's an interesting fight because we have a clash of styles. Jared with the big power, the wrestling defense, and Derek with the questionable chin, the wrestling offense. I, I like My heart wants to pick Derek here because he's streaking, because I, I tend to lean towards wrestlers for my own personal bias, but I, I just don't think I can. I don't think his wrestling is actually going to be good enough to get Jared down or at least to get him down consistently. And when they're on their feet, he is at an incredible disadvantage because of his chin. The last two people that took Jared down were Jack Hermanson and David Branch, and both of them were knocked out. Both of them very good grapplers. I've got to go with Jared here. This is a solid live bet situation to the point where I literally am going to have my finger on Derek Brunson live betting. And if he gets a takedown and holds him there for more than two seconds, bang, I'm going to lock it in. Because if he can get him down, then then it's his fight for sure. But Derek Brunson has questionable cardio, a questionable chin. Jared Cannonier's got fantastic takedown defense and bricks for hands. I like Jared Cannonier. I am probably going to do a wins inside the distance decision, no action bet for Jared Cannonier, but those odds probably aren't going to be very favorable. What do you think, Jakey boy? Yeah, I think that Jared Cannonier is one of those monkey knife fight KO type people you might look at in this matchup, but you know, Derek Brunson with his grappling, first of all, I know why Jared Cannonier is the favorite. He, he's, he's the big guy. He's got the power. He's got the striking. And you look at that last fight we talked about earlier today, um, you know, Gaslam, 0 for 8 takedowns. You see that on the paper, and you're like, wow, he defended 8 takedowns. This guy, incredible takedown defense. But I watched that. I watched that fight. And Gaslam, to me, until he got dropped, I think he got dropped in the second round. He kind of got sat down and immediately back up. Then he kind of really started going for the takedowns. He really, you could tell he's like, oh shit, I better get these takedowns. But in the beginning, I think like the first maybe four or five of those were kind of, he would grab the leg, but he it was more interested in the striking off the takedown attempts, right? So he was he was changing levels and then coming back up with the striking. He wasn't really trying to get those takedowns. So I think those numbers are skewed a little bit. And we got to remember Gaslam is kind of a, just a fat 185. He's, he's, he should be fighting at 170, right? He can't make 170 for whatever reason. And he does well at 185. I love Kevin Gaslam. But he's an undersized middleweight where Jared Cannonier, you mentioned, is a heavyweight that came down to light heavyweight who's now a middleweight. So I think even later on when Gaslam was really trying for those takedowns that Cannonier had the strength over Gaslam, Derek Brunson... Yeah, I'm not sure that he's going to have the strength over Derek Brunson. I think Derek Brunson's going to have the better technique as well, and he's going to be all in on these takedowns. You kind of saw that. Obviously, you've seen that in his latest fights, right? But he's been getting the takedowns. But against Izzy, that last fight that he got knocked out, he was like going all in, like desperation shots. I think he's going to do the same thing to Jared, but I think he's going to have a little bit more success. But, man, if he doesn't get those takedowns, it's going to be trouble because you saw Darren Till. Like, in the third round, after Darren Till was on his back for, like, 12 minutes, got back to his feet, and, like, threw the first combination that Darren Till threw clean the entire fight, stunned Derek Brunson. And he just didn't have the, you know, in him to kind of chase him down. And then Derek Brunson gets another takedown. If that's Jared Cannonier hitting you, I don't care if it's in the third round, you're going to get knocked out. So Derek Brunson, he better get the takedowns, and he better hold them there. In my mind... I think he can do it. I, I think he's the wrestler that can get Jared Cannonier to the ground. I think he's able to get him to the ground early. Obviously, he can't get knocked out. That could happen definitely. But my pick is, is Derek Brunson on this matchup, and I, I think I put a bet on him. Let me let me check. I did. I put uh, just a, just a unit at plus one forty five uh, money line bet. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting matchup. It's a super close. Um, the odds do surprise me because I think it's very close. It is a clash of styles. But, you know, uh, Derek's chin and cardio are both very questionable. Sorry, Derek's chin and cardio are both very questionable. Jared hits like a freight train. We've seen him taken down. He's won those fights. We've seen him taken down and win those fights. We've seen him defend takedowns. So I got to lean Jared here. But I do think, you know, if you look at Derek Brunson's last five fights, he's shown the world what he's capable of. So I'm not betting on Jared Cannonier. Like I said, I think this is a a live bet situation because I don't like Jared Cannonier enough to lay out two to one odds on him. But if Derek Brunson gets a takedown, I literally am going to have, when you live bet, like seconds matter. They will cancel your bet, refresh it, change the odds. I'm getting all stuffy. I'm getting sick somehow. If Derek Brunson gets a takedown, I, I literally am going to have the live bets pulled up, ready to go, and I'm just going to I'm going to click that button as fast as possible and lock it in. Because if he gets a takedown and he gets it early, then that's that's the game plan. He's going to be able to do that. What do you think of DraftKings? Mm, Derek Brunson is probably the better value. Yeah, yeah, if you think- I, obviously, I'm obviously on the Derek Brunson side, but I, I just don't trust him quite that much, I don't think. Not with Cannoneer's yeah. power. And the, from what I saw, what what till I mean that was literally like one exchange, and Brunson was like, "Oh shit!" So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, and somebody in the live chat just added, "Who asked who's the best for live betting?" I I like Bet Online for live betting, but Bet US has fantastic live betting as well. I just find uh, Bet Online just a little easier to smash it before it moves. Monkey knife fight. Interesting strike line. Interesting strike line because fifty four strikes from Jared Cannonier is a problem. But if you think this goes a little bit and Derek doesn't get knocked out cold, could be a more and more. Yeah, I think, I, well, those 54 could add up. I mean, if, if Brunson's just got him up against the cage, those little pitter patter shots, those, those add up pretty, pretty quickly defending takedowns and stuff. So I think it's probably more and more either way, even if, if Brunson is, is able to get him to the ground. So I, I probably play him more and more. More and more is probably the safe bet because I, I agree. I don't see a quick early knockout from Jared, even though I, I personally think Jared wins, but this is definitely a close one and I'm less concerned about the pick and more concerned about any live betting. And if you want 50 free dollars, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, sign up with any one of our five betting partners, make a deposit, let me know after you do, and I will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up at UFC 271, we have the co-main event of the evening. We have two heavyweight bangers, a fun heavyweight matchup, two guys with solid chins and incredible power. It could be a snooze fest, but I doubt it. I think this will be a fun one. We've got Derek Lewis versus Tai Tuivasa. Derek Lewis, 26-8. and eight. He's 4-1 in his last five. Coming off the first round KO over Dawkins. Tai Tuivasa, 14-3 overall, 4-1 in his last five, riding a four-fight knockout streak. Derek Lewis, every, every Derek Lewis breakdown is literally exactly the same. This is going to be no different. Derek Lewis has absolute power in his hands. He has sledgehammers for hands. He has incredible power, ridiculously low output, almost as if, He's just so exhausted to swing those giant sledge fist hands. Like he just waits, waits, waits. All right, fine, I'll do it. 
and then throws it, and then that's the end of anybody's night that it lands on. It's nuts. His volume is so incredibly low. Go back, look at his stats. It's almost embarrassing to see how few strikes he lands in some of these fights. But if he touches, he knocks you out. He is literally the all-time knockout king in UFC history. If you come in, you leave an opening, he will throw a heavy punch, and that's when he makes it makes it happen. He has no problem sitting and waiting. He has no problem baiting you, no problem accepting a takedown, knowing that he eventually will get back up and get it done. The dude was one minute away from losing a very clear decision to um, Volkov, and one punch changed absolutely everything. Curtis Blades was taken down, and he no problem, no problem. I'll be ready for it. Bang, caught him on the way in. He doesn't panic. He takes his time. He has no problem being incredibly boring, and when he sees an opportunity, he takes it. So Derek Lewis is never the more technical striker, never the faster guy, never the more well-rounded guy, but always the more powerful guy and has proven time and time again that it works for him and it's the only thing that matters. Tai Tuivasa, he's also a heavy-handed striker. He's got solid volume. He mixes in leg kicks really well. He moved to American Kickboxing Academy a few camps ago and it showed when he did. He was always fast and powerful for his size, but now he's just sharper, more technically sound recently. Tuivasa has fantastic leg kicks, a piercing jab, a big overhand. His takedown defense is just okay at 50%. Uh, and he has zero, literally zero offensive takedowns in his UFC career. I don't think his takedown defense will matter in this fight. And you could argue that Tai Tuivasa's biggest asset is his chin because he does have a cement head. He's not easily knocked out. But his chin was tested against Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy cracked him. Greg Hardy rocked him. And it looked a little dicey there. He was able to turn the tables and knock Greg Hardy out. But Greg Hardy doesn't hit as hard as Derek Lewis, and Greg Hardy doesn't have the same experience as Derek Lewis. He just has a few fights. And if Derek Lewis landed that exact same shot on Tai Tuivasa that Greg Hardy did, Tai Tuivasa would have just been another statistic, and he would have been knocked out cold. It's such a tough pick because of that. Derek Lewis has the ultimate equalizer at any moment, and he has proved it is literally at any moment. He's not first round or bust. That power is there, ready, willing, and able late in the third round. So Tai Tuivasa, like every other person we break down, is the better, more technical striker, certainly with his hands, definitely with his low kicks. He'll have better footwork. His chin, this will be the best chin that Derek Lewis ever fought. But is it enough? I don't know. I like Tai Tuivasa to win. I love him in the underdog spot. I love the DraftKings pricing. I love the odds. But damn, man, Derek Lewis just does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and just makes everybody look stupid who picks against him. What do you think? If I'm Tai Tuivasa in this fight, I, I, I mentioned in my breakdown, I would not throw a single strike and he's not gonna do this so this is stupid but i would not throw a single strike in the first round not a not a punch not a kick i would dance around the octagon because what's the fans gonna start doing they're gonna start booing and where are they at they're in houston and where's Derek lewis from he's in houston and he mentioned before after the gone fight because the gone fight was in houston he said listen i don't want to fight in houston anymore i don't the pressure got to me i don't want to fight in houston anymore he said i don't want to fight five rounds and i don't want to fight in houston 
Well, guess what? He's back in Houston, and if I'm tied to Ivasa, I do nothing the first round, let the crowd boo, and no, Derek Lewis is going to be the one that's going to feel that pressure. It sounds stupid, but he admitted the pressure before. When he starts hearing those boos, he's going to be like, oh, no, here we go again, another boring fight. I got to put on for my fans. He, that's when he's going to start moving forward. He will start doing stupid stuff. He'll do that little switch kick. I can see him even trying a, a couple times. He'll take. He'll, he'll do like a, a, a like a fake takedown type thing. I can see him doing that. And that's when you can have your success. But this is Bam Bam. We know what's going to happen. He's going to come forward. He's going to start throwing bombs. And I think what he's going he's gonna to be the Greg Hardy in this fight of, of him versus Greg Hardy. I think he's going to come in. He's going to think that he has Derek Lewis hurt. Derek Lewis loves playing possum, just kind of hunching over. Then he throws the bomb. I see the exact same thing happening. I think Taito Ivasa comes out. He brings the pressure. I'm bam, bam. I'm going to do this. I think I have him hurt. And then that Derek Lewis is going to come. That Derek Lewis right hand is going to come over the top and hurt Tai Tuivasa. I'm going to be polling for Tai Tuivasa. I hope he upsets Derek Lewis because I'm kind of over the whole Derek Lewis thing. But the dude just keeps knocking people out. So until he doesn't, you know, obviously the Gon fight was a little bit different, but you know, Gon's a different animal altogether. So I'm going Derek Lewis in this fight because I think it's an out war. And if you're not picking Derek Lewis in a war, I don't know what you're doing. So I'm Derek Lewis. The problem is you say you say a war. He throws like no punches, <laughs> and that's in exchanges, the problem. Like, he throws punches when because pe- people don't get in exchanges with him. He doesn't throw volume because and, and why would you, right? Why would you want to get an exchange with this guy? But when he does get in exchanges with people, that's when he starts throwing the flurries. And unfortunately, tied to Ivasa, bam, bam, he's gonna come in and he's gonna want to try and knock out Derek Lewis. And God bless him if he does. But I think there's gonna be a lot of those exchanges, and you can't survive them. You just can't survive them. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I totally understand. And, you know, every Derek Lewis fight is exactly the same. I just can't bring myself to not pick the more technically sound striker in a striking matchup. I just can't. Because Ty also has very real power and a very good chin. If I didn't see Greg Hardy rob, wobble Ty Tuivasa, then I he would be the clearest pick in the world. Because, I, I, you know, his chin was like something really special. But... Listen, I'm still going tied to Ivasa here. I got to go with the more technical striker. I'm really hoping he implements a heavy leg kick game plan. Just light up Derek's legs. Just light his legs up. Slow. He's already kind of slow. I honestly think I think people have tried that before. I think Volkov just like ate him alive. He just doesn't. It doesn't. He just doesn't phase. Nothing phases <laughs> this guy. It's incredible to watch. No, like he doesn't it, check it, him. He'll just sit there and eat him and just stare at you and just just. Oh. Oh, oh, just waiting with no, it. No, it is crazy. It is crazy. I, you know how I'm going to make my money on this fight, though? I'm not going to bet either one of these guys, but I'm going to have both of them in Monkey Knife Fight Knockout Kings. So Monkey Knife Fight has a prop game called Knockout Kings. You grab any three fighters on the entire card, any three. You throw them in there, and if just one of them wins by KO or TKO, you get paid. If two, you get paid even more. Three, even more. It's super fun. And in a card like this where you have basically have a guaranteed knockout, you throw both these guys in, you grab somebody else for the third, and you'll get yourself paid. We want picks.com slash MKF. They will match your deposit. Promo code WWP. They'll match your deposit. Use the free money. You put in a hundred, they'll give you a hundred. Take the free hundred. Put it on knockout kings. Put both of these people in there. Grab a third person you think can win by KO or TKO, and you will end up with a lot more money after. It's that simple. Don't bet on this fight. Don't bet on Derek to win by knockout. Don't bet on Ty to win. Don't bet on that. Throw the money in knockout kings because you know one of these guys is going to win by stoppage. 
Jakey boy, what do you think of DraftKings? Well, I'll say he does not go the distance. It's minus 550 on this fight. Yeah. So it's, it is so heavy that's favorites a perfect, to... Yeah. That's a perfect example. Literally, so monkey knife fight is daily fantasy. It's not gambling. It's not betting. So even if you're in a state that doesn't allow sports betting, monkey knife fight is daily. If you have DraftKings, you have monkey knife fight. It's that simple. You just said it's minus 550. Fight does not go to the decision. On monkey knife fight, the odds don't change. They've already set the payouts. You get a 25% return. You bet 100 bucks, you get 125 back. It is literally free money. Throw both of these people in there and get your free money. That's the sales pitch. I have not missed a monkey, a knockout king prop in forever. The strike line is funny because Chris, who sets these lines, was texting me today. He's like, this is, it's impossible to do Derek Lewis strike lines. Because what do you do? Put eight on there? You know what I mean? Like, it's impossible to do his strike line. So this is actually a hard line because Derek Lewis volume is just so freaking low. It's probably more and more, though. I do think it's more and more. I think Ty can take a few of the shots. The leg kicks will start to add up. So he's definitely a more. And Derek Lewis, maybe, you know, maybe he'll be a little busier than usual. You think it's less, less? Yeah, I, I honestly think Ty Tuivasa comes across in the first exchange, something happens, and it's probably going to be bad for Ty. But I think something happens in the first exchange. Um, I mean, this is pay-per-view, co-main event. These dudes are going to be hyped up in front of the Houston fans. They're, I mean... This is going to get crazy fast. I see this inside of 30 seconds. Uh, less, yeah. less for me. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a really fun, fun fight. Do not bet on this fight. Don't bet on it. Head over to Monkey Knife Fight. Play Knockout Kings. Get yourself some free cash. We on picks.com slash MKF. And if you want yourself 50 free dollars, we on picks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Next up at UFC 271, we have the main event of the evening. We have the rematch between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. Israel Adesanya, 21-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five, and the lone loss was a championship bid against Jan Blahovich at light heavyweight. Robert Whitaker, 24-4 and four overall, 4-1 four and one in his last five, coming off three very one-sided decision wins. And this fight's a rematch, so we have to talk about what happened in the first fight. And you guys will disagree with me. I've argued with a few of you in the comments section because you guys know I love arguing. I'm from the Northeast. That's what we do. And let's talk about the first fight. The first fight, Israel Adesanya won by second round TKO. And if you just see that on topology and those stupid little colored bubbles and you say, oh, he knocked him out in the second round, same exact thing's going to happen. Look a little closer. Watch the fight. Look at the stats. Basically, Robert Whitaker in the first round comes charging forward. Every exchange was Robert charging forward. He would duck down, throw big, throw big, come up to the top, then back up, circle out, do it again. He was charging in. He was dictating. And Israel was sort of a step behind, if you will, at least in the early exchanges. Robert Whitaker in the in 90% of the first round was dictating the pace, was landing the cleaner, heavier shots. Unfortunately, at the very last five seconds of the first round, he was clipped. He was dropped. Rounds over, resets. Second round starts, more of the same. Robert's charging in. Throwing combinations straight to the head. Charging in a little reckless. Eventually gets caught. And that's how he gets put out. Frankly, if he doesn't get dropped at the end of the first round, he won that round. He was dictating the pace. He landed cleaner. The stats show that. He landed more. 
more significant strikes, more regular strikes. You know, he, I think he was winning that first round until he was dropped, obviously, and then he lost and he was finished. And that's just context because I know a lot of you are just looking for quick picks, quick information. Don't just go to Tapology, see what happened the first time and assume it's exactly the same because since then, Robert has made adjustments. Overall, Israel Adesanya is obviously an amazing kickboxer. He looked almost unbeatable in every fight that he's in, especially at middleweight, because obviously at light heavyweight, that didn't work out for him. He times his strikes really well. He's a great counter striker with a pretty good chin. He, that chin has been tested and it holds up. He will literally roll his shoulders, bob his head, and just weave through anything coming his way. Almost nothing lands on him and he quickly fires back with short hooks, straights. His takedown defense is solid at 80%. But both Jan and Marvin Vittori were able to take him down multiple times. Robert Whitaker is a very diverse striker. He has really good volume and incredibly active. He's constantly mixing up his striking and his movement patterns. He will lay out really heavy leg kicks and then immediately charge forward and then chase towards the head. After the loss to Izzy, Robert took almost a year off. He reset, and when he came back, he looked like a different fighter, and he completely dismantled Darren Till, Jared Cannonier, and Kelvin Gastelum. And what's interesting about those fights is while Robert kept his aggressive striking, he did seem more measured, and he absolutely worked in more takedowns. In his first 14 UFC fights, Robert Whitaker had four takedowns total. In his last three fights, he's had six. And what, why that matters is Robert Whitaker told the entire world. He said, Jan Blahovich showed everybody how you beat Israel Adesanya. That's how you beat him. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow Jan's game plan. Like he literally says that. He's that open about it. And he's been following that game plan in his last few fights. Pushing the pace, staying busy to the head, and then working in takedowns. But what's interesting is if that's the game plan... And if he wants to get in his, Izzy's face and take him down, obviously he's going to have to avoid the counter-striking, the short hooks, which he did not avoid in their first fight. And if you go back and you watch Marvin Vittori versus Izzy the second time, Marvin took him down four times, four times, and still lost that fight. And Izzy had a few surprises for him on the ground. So Israel Adesanya obviously left that Jan Blahovich fight made adjustments, worked on, not necessarily the take, I mean, obviously worked on the takedown defense, but the takedown defense didn't hold up that well, but the scrambles and what happened on the ground were phenomenal in that Marvin Vittori fight, which he ultimately ended up winning. I don't think forward aggression alone is going to be enough for Robert. He will have to fight a perfect fight for 25 minutes to get this done. Israel Adesanya is my pick, but Robert Whitaker is prepared. Robert Whitaker is has looked amazing in his last few fights and i think this is a war i do not think this is what the last fight was i don't think we're looking at a first second or third round ko jakey boy what do you think yeah let me preface this by saying i am a huge bobby knuckles guy i have nothing against izzy i like izzy as well but bobby knuckles man is my guy i love that dude he's one of the nicest dudes in the entire world and you could tell he is refreshed you mentioned the time off he took that time off and really reset himself mentally and you could tell he just absolutely loves the sport again even in the uh the embeddings this week he's hanging out with his dad in his hotel room he's a big video game guy so he's just saying yeah i take i gotta go train i he's like i gotta go train so i can get back to my video games you know he's just a, a super casual laid-back dude but I don't think he needs the wrestling. 
everyone's talking about wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Can he get the takedowns? Can he get the takedowns? Can he get the takedowns? I don't think he needs the wrestling. I, I, I agree with you. In that matchup, he was winning a lot of those exchanges. And Izzy looked a lot of he looked looked really uncomfortable with Robert's pressure. And eventually he caught him. But even in that exchange, Whitaker snapped his head back with I think with a jab or something. And that's kind of why he rushed in a little bit too hard and he ended up getting caught. But you know, there's kind of three people in this division that can kind of go toe-to-toe with Izzy and could end up being Izzy in a striking match. I think Alex Bahada's one, right? He he's shown that before. Before he's knocked out Izzy in kickboxing matches before. Um, I think the yellow one is going to sound stupid, but I think Darren Till is well. I'm a big Darren Till guy, but oh, Darren Till is a fantastic. Darren Till is a fantastic Jesus striker, and Izzy dude. has even said, "I want to fight Darren Till because he is a fantastic striker." But honestly, I think that uh, that last person is Robert Whitaker. I don't think he needs the takedowns, and I love the fact that it is takedowns. Ta- everyone's oh, I'm going to take him down. Oh, can he defend the takedowns? Because I think he comes in. I think he faints those level changes, and I think when he faints those level changes, especially early, and Izzy's hands dropped, I think he's going to be able to come up and have success on the feet with some headshots, especially with his combos, the way he throws his combos, the one, two, three, and then the head kick, the one, two, three, and then the head kick. I think he's going to have some success there. I think he gets it done. I think for Robert Whitaker to win this fight, he needs to treat this like a two-and-a-half or three-round fight. Because if this starts extending and, it, and he's not and he's not be able to get the takedowns and he's finding his range, nobody's going to beat Izzy in a five-round kickboxing match. He's just too good. He's too skilled. He finds his range and he gets the job done. But Whitaker, if you treat this like a two-and-a-half, three-round fight and you just blitz in and you get in the pocket, you fake those takedowns. If you can get them, great. But fake those takedowns, come up top, really lay into your shots and treat this like a short, short fight and, and try to get out there with a victory. I honestly think that he can. You know, I'm biased, so I think the pick, the safe pick, is probably is probably easy in this matchup. But I think Whitaker gets it done late second round. I think he finds the shot and is able to put Izzy away. We'll see if he's the first person to put Izzy away since Alex Pajeda in the kickboxing days. But I, I think if anyone can do it, it's Bobby Knuckles, baby. Let's go, Bobby Knuckles. I'm rooting for him all the way, and I'm going to pick him to win the fight. I mean, people hated me in the comments when I said, if you remove the knockdown, which I know is absurd, but if you remove the knockdown, I thought Robert Whitaker won that first round. Because He's such a pressure. dynamic striker, man. He's such a dynamic striker. Yeah, he, I mean, rewatch that fight. Knowing that Robert Whitaker loses, rewatch that first fight. You know, obviously he loses end by stoppage, which is very definitive. But that first round, man, Bobby looked good. And if he avoids that, if he can somehow master the forward pressure while avoiding some of the big strikes back, then then yeah, he could absolutely win that fight. I, I'm picking Izzy to win. I think Izzy, you know, what he did against Marvin Vittori after losing to Jan Blahovich was so impressive to me. Like, so impressive to me. Because he lost to Jan. And then he came out there, fought somebody similar was taken down four times and then still won a very clear fight there. So that was very impressive. He made adjustments and I think he'll have everything ready to go. So I like Izzy to win. You like Robert Whitaker to win. So it'll be a fun night for us to watch these fights together. I like Robert Whitaker for DraftKings though. Even though Izzy's my pick, Robert Whitaker at $7,000. He may be the most undervalued fighter we've ever seen in a main event title fight. I mean, this is crazy. He's so good. He's so good. Yeah, I mean, obviously you agree because you like him to win at seven thousand. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he's he's a, he's a he's an incredible fighter. I think people are. You know, what's funny is in that matchup. I know that he was a champ at the time, but I think Izzy was like a minus one thirty favorite, and now he's almost like a two to one favorite. And I think I think Bobby has gotten better than Izzy has, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah. They both improved, but I think Bobby's a little bit better than, than he was. The problem is his last his last three fights were spectacular. And Jared Cannonier's a great win, but Till has looked trash as of late. And you know, so it's he not did, he looked trash against he, and I mean, Gastelum, he was taken down versus okay. He was taken down Kelvin. versus Brunson, but he was I mean, he landed one flurry against Brunson, almost knocked him out. So he's on the Darren Till's one of the best strikers history. in the UFC. Okay. What do you think of this monkey knife fight line? I think it's more and more. I think this is a straight up war. 25 minutes. I think it's got to be more and more. Got to be. I think the safe place more and more. Yeah, I agree with you. Guys, if you want 50 free dollars, go to weonpicks.com slash bets. Sign up. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do. And I'll send you 50 bucks. It's that simple. Thank you so much for the watch. Like the video. Let's see if we can get ourselves to 100 likes, which we should be able to do. And make sure you join us Saturday for our pre-fight live stream at 1 p.m. Central. We will build a full card parlay, 15 fights with your picks from the live chat. And if the parlay hits, I will pay it out and it will go to the members of this channel. All the members of the channel will split that massive payout. We did a 13-fight parlay last week. It missed. But we did a 13-fight parlay last week. I put out $10 and it was going to pay out I think it was up to like 47. It was something absurd. Ton of money. 15 fights will be even crazier. Weonpicks.com slash bets. Thank you so much for the watch. And we will see you later this week for our final stuff. Saturday for the pre-fight live stream.